You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little blood sucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers are the Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, whoever you are out there in the wide world, thank you so much for lending me your ears. And that is the intro done. All right, strap in. Here we go. My next guest is Xavier Morello. Now, Xavier, I'll give you the very first time that Xavier came onto my radar and I'd just come back from quite a long stint in the States and I was uh, having a paddle at Winky, and and Zave burnt me. That's that's my first recollection of Zave. And then I, I I then saw him burn someone else, and I was like, oh my god, who the fuck is this guy? Anyway, fast forward quite some time, and Zave and I are now good friends, and um, that's the way it happens. Like so many people in my life, I've and my my knee jerk reaction has been like. I don't like this guy. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit of time and, uh, you know, thick as thieves, great friends. Um, it's happened I don't know how many times and maybe it's the universe holding up a mirror to me. Maybe that's it. Maybe the universe is holding up mirrors everywhere and I don't like who I see. It's me. That's weird. Anyway, Zave Morello, he's a wildlife presenter, a zookeeper, and the director of Wildlife Exposure. And I love Zave. He's he's the kind of guy who's just always beaming and bristling with energy. And, um, you know, if if he's not having a good one, he just tells you. And I love that. I love people that just call it how it is. And Zave calls it how it is. If he's having a good one, you know all about it. And he's not. not. And I like that. Um, and, And he's the sort of guy that's just sort of, you know, followed his nose. Um, I don't want to let on too much because Zave, we, 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 we sort of crunched through uh, Zave's, Zave's story to some degree, right? You can't compress someone's life into an hour and a half conversation. But, you know, you can wiggle your way through and, and, and shine a light on a couple of things. And, and that's what we did and had a great time and uh, love Zave. So, Zave, thanks, thanks for coming over, man. And, and thanks for the tour after. Like, I got to go out to Zave's place and um, I feel like I'm talking funny. My throat's sore. I got, I got elbowed in the throat. <laughs> but it was, it's not what you think. It was a bit of a uh, mistake, but it's, it's sore. It's not sore throat because I feel sick. Uh, it's just a sore throat. Blah, blah, blah. And I feel like I'm talking funny. That's why I'm saying this. Anyway, shh. Um, so went out to Zave's place afterwards and gave him a lift home and... Um, showed me around the wildlife, um, you know, exposure headquarters, and man, I got to handle like some some cool creatures, and and he's got a a really cool thing going on out there. So look, I won't waffle on too much. Dave, thanks so much for that experience. I loved it. It was really good. Um, uh, without further ado, here is Zave. But before, I just want to let you all know something else. And if I tell you this, this is going to sound really fucking weird. And uh, maybe I'm oversharing here. It's a possibility. But I got kicked out. Or I got asked to leave Officeworks. Could you believe that? I got asked to leave Officeworks. Sir, you're going to, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I couldn't fucking believe it. And so here, here it is. This is the overshare, right? I'd been in the car 
for an hour and a half, I was driving to a job. I've been to this this area for uh for work before, and I go to Office Works there, and and I buy I buy some stuff. I bought stationery there. I have um, pens, paper, poskers, uh, ink cartridges. I've bought shit from this joint, and but also I do know that they have a toilet in the back right corner. Right, it's always open. It's a public toilet. It's always there. And when you've been in the car for an hour and a half, and you're going to this zone. And you leave home early. I mean, you can paint the picture, right? I'm looking for a bathroom. So it's it's good to know that I can go and get some stationery and, and, and use a can. That's handy for me when I spend a lot of time on the road. So anyway, cruise on in. And and let's just say I'm busting, right? Let's not pull any punches here. I'm fucking busting. And anyway, so... I sort of just cruise through the shop like, you know, it's early. I think it was like eight o'clock in the morning. And I was like, uh, you know, uh, you know, trying to look like a customer that could buy something. And so anyway, I get up there and, and it's locked. The door's locked. So I'm like, I just, okay, cool. I'll just go back and find a staff member and I'll say. And, and that happened the last time. Maybe my picture's on the wall. I don't know. But anyway, so I say to the guy in the aisle, hey, dude, um, the bathroom seems to be locked up the back, and I'm just wondering if you could unlock it. Um, and he goes, oh, it's not open to the public. It's just for staff. And I was like, man, I've been here I, a lot of times, and it's always been open to the public. And he goes, well, it's not anymore. I'm like, dude, if you don't let me in that toilet, I've got a massive problem, and so might you. And he's like, it's not open to the public. And I'm like, dude, I am about to shit my pants, okay? Can you hook a brother up? Can you please open the back door? Or I might fucking shit my pants. And he goes, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are we here? Is this what it is? Is this the moment? And I'm trying to swallow this moment. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, under my breath. And I'm literally, I'm not kidding around. Like I, I needed that bathroom and I was about to leave and I went, actually, I need to speak to your manager right now. And he goes, fine. Turned on his heel and stormed off and I followed him. Hot pursuit. Gets the manager and the, says to the manager, um, uh, this guy needs to use the bathroom. And the manager goes, we'll open the door. And I, he goes, I, well, I, and he goes, and the manager just looked at me and goes, follow me. <laughs> what a legend. So he takes me up. Am I oversharing? I think I'm oversharing. So he takes me up to the uh, bathroom and, and unlocks the door and he's got his earpiece in. He's got an earpiece in. And he says, he, it, all of a sudden he stops and he turns and looks at me and he goes, did you swear at my staff member? I said, no, I did not swear at your staff member. I said to myself, for fuck's sake, under my breath, because of the circumstance, man, I need to get in that room pretty quick. And he goes, okay. And anyway, great. Thank you. Thanks for the humanity. I really appreciate it. You know, like I I appreciate the slice of humanity from the manager. I do. And as I left, I went up and I thanked him, you know, and then the day was fine. Okay, I'm going to just throw you into a conversation with Zave. I hope you enjoy our chat. I hope you're not turned off, freaked out, and, and out of here just with that little story because that happened. But I got asked to leave fucking Office Works. I've been asked to leave countless pubs. 
over my time, but I've never been asked to leave an office works. So that is a fucking new one. Okay, I hope you enjoy our chat. Adios. A complete and total farfarama. Were they into animals? Yes, in different kind of ways. Mum's just a nature lover. Mm. So probably she nurtured a lot of my interests growing up. Dad's Italian, mm. uh, loves to eat animals. So it comes from that <laughs> background. That, you know, loves animals in the in a rural sense, I think. You know, we grew up on a few acres and we had chickens and goats and Morellis would come around when the goats had too many billy goats and we'd dispatch a few. And So you do it in the backyard? My dad, yeah, the Morellis did. My he was handy not. at the chopping block. Where, yeah, he'd call in the old old the old school rellos from Deer Park. They'd come across and they sort of knew the tricks. And yeah, yeah. As a kid, we would get taken to the movies or something for the day. You know? Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. But then as we got older, I was intrigued. You know? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll hang around. I remember I'm going, oh, they didn't need to see that. But it was, you know, it was it wasn't, yeah, cruel. It was just, you know, resourceful. That's what they were doing. You know. Yeah, man. Like, mm. I, yeah, I grew up on a farm. I, I mm, that's pretty yeah. privy to yeah. some of that stuff yeah. pretty early on. Yep. I remember <laughs> I came home one day from school. I'm just going to tell you this just mm. quickly. Mm. It was pretty funny. And um, I just, I think I heard mum screaming and then then she just started going spack as a dad. And he'd got lazy. And in the room, like, there was a laundry out the back of the kitchen. There was, like, a, it was an old school house and there was a laundry and then there was, like, a, a room that had some deep freezers in it and we mm. called it the boot room, I think. It was just had, like, jackets and boots and yeah, shit yeah. in He'd strung up a sheep in there <laughs> oh. and decided he was going to cut it into quarters or whatever uh, with a chainsaw. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. And there was just <laughs> shit everywhere. <laughs> Didn't think that one through too. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> Saved himself a little bit of time. but uh, I think it's Dexter. I think it dropped sheets, you know. Yeah, like yeah the... totally. Yeah. Well, it was seriously, it looked uh, like that. No. But yeah, it was disgusting. Well, um, the first one I remember going and they did, you know, hang the goats up and skin them and stuff. And, and we'd, as kids, play with the little kids in the paddock as they grew up, you know, and we'd be told the billy goats were the ones that would have to go because they couldn't live together in area billy goats as they grew up, they'd fight. So, But the billy goats are the ones you'd play with, you know, because they'd butt you. And so when you're a little kid, you go out in the paddock and you'd sort of pretend to be a goat and you'd jump right around and they'd butt you and it was a bit of fun. And then you'd have to go there and see them hanging up and whew, remember they gave us the little feet and the heads to take out the paddock and I'm like, who am I holding here? It's a bit... <laughs> but... Life lessons, early yeah, life lessons, good, you know, man. life and death. It's just part of living. It is yeah, part of living. Big part. And where are your thoughts? How do you, like, I, I think about death a lot. Probably yeah. unhealthily amount it, yeah. like, as I get it. Yeah, you do, yeah. I try not to think about it. I think I have been as I'm getting older, definitely. How, how does it sit with you? Like, for me, it's a fucking trip, dude. Yeah, it's a trip. I'm a bit, I wasn't so scared of it because I feel like I'm way off still. But I love life. Too much to think about it ending, you know. So, but I get that makes that makes it all the more sweet when you're here, I guess. But well, this is why I get yeah. like I was telling you before, like a few things were annoying me slightly, and uh, <laughs> you know, you find yourself driving around going, "Fuck!" Oh, and then you're yeah, like, yeah. "Hold on a second, man." Like, Step back. Yeah. How long do yeah. I know that? Yeah. Am I going to be annoyed that I just squandered this time with a bad mood? Yeah. Well, if you ended this in the, that afternoon, you just spent your last moments all frustrated about. You know, some nonsense, I know, but you can't help it. Well, it's, it, it, you're bringing that up now, like I'm getting older, my family's getting older, so, you know, um, I only know that it's going to be more and more of a 
of a thing we're going to be facing, you know, with relatives and you know, my parents and all these sorts of things, you know, it's a, it's looming, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's completely looming. Yeah. Yeah. Always. And it freaks me out. Not in a way that I'm like, I don't want to die. Mm. I don't mind. But it's like... Not yet. <laughs> not yet. And... Yeah. It's a slow kind of like dive into this is this like the age bell abyss curl, bell the bell curve, curve you're, you're yeah like my nonna lived to 102 102 yeah letter yeah. from the queen yeah letter from the queen holy shit yeah, he's pretty chuffed but he, oh just shy of 102 and he lived on his own till he was 100 like lived like self-sufficient growing veggies and stuff he was a machine yeah inspirational what was his diet like diet uh all homegrown veggies pretty much bit of meat red wine every day for dinner did he ever smoke no smoking. No, no. He's, um, I know. Do you ever he's, smoke? I did in the, you know, growing up and drinking and stuff. It's sort of something I did a bit of, yeah. yeah. And today, I must admit, if there's a, if I'm having a few beers and someone else is yeah, light to, up, yeah. I'm like, hello, hey. I'm Zave. <laughs> Give me one. <laughs> Here's $5 for one. That's right. I try yeah. to come prepared now and I know I'm going to, I'm going to relapse, but I'm finding I've got a good handle on it now. I can get back on the wagon pretty quick. I'm not like, Depended on it, like, and I never really was like when I did smoke. I didn't smoke like a pack a day. I'd have like a couple a day or something back in my twenties, when I was on building sites working or something, you know, and everyone else was doing it. But it's probably one of my regrets actually, because once you're a smoker, you're always a smoker. Like I say, like I smell it and see it, and I'm like, ooh, oh man, it ain't good for you. It's a sexy bad habit. <laughs> sexy bad habit. That's right. <laughs> Uh, you got to die something. <laughs> you got to die something. But, but fuck emphysema. You know, it doesn't look fine. No. My grandfather, he yeah. was a big, my grandfather and my grandmother were big smokers. Mm. And I had to pack his bag when he went to hospital. Mm. And uh, he was a pipe smoker. Mm. It just didn't look like a fun back end, you know. He was a doctor too. Knew the whole yeah, repercussions. Knew the whole and, yeah. uh, well, you know, I've got relatives too that haven't drunk and haven't smoked. Really healthy. And cancer. Yeah, you, see, cancer. you just don't fucking know. My, do grand, my, my nonna, yeah, my nonna's So wife, this is Italian. Italian. Nonna is my like, grandma and nonna is, is my grandpa. Is that for same as for all Italian people? Yeah. Is it like grandma, yeah. grandma, grandpa? Yeah. yeah. Grandma, no, grandma. Yeah, That's very no, modern, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, grandma, grandma. Grandma, grandma. <laughs> Two grandmas. Um, yeah, there's all funny. Well, we've got um, nonna, nonna was my old nonna because we had my dad was a nonna. And so no, 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 no was the older no, no, because he was around with my kids. Knowing. But um, and my mum's nana to my kids because that's she's Aussie. But um, yeah, I think uh, Nonna, sorry, yeah, she cancer took her out. Didn't smoke, super healthy. I think it was a dust from my. They said it might have been the dust from my nonna's uniforms that she'd wash when he was working in a factory or something with You're some kidding. sort of some sort of thing he shouldn't have been maybe asbestos or something. I don't know. Yeah. He's all right, though. <laughs> he lived 102 nearly, so it's oh interesting how that... Mm. Yeah, you just don't know. You don't know. You don't change know. the topic, though, mate? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> a bit bleak. A bit bleak. But yeah, no, no. Look, no, man, it's just as much no, part of fucking is, life as it is. As is yeah. You know, you don't remember mm. anything before, no. or maybe you do. And, you yeah. know, where we're going, no one knows. Yeah. No, I'm intrigued by it. I could talk about it all day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah. look. Gives validity, can't talk, validity to life, you know, that, that it does end. So it makes like what we're doing now more, like you said, more important. 
You well, know. yeah, more important. So you can pull back on certain things because it's not so fucking important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, um, yeah. So like, so okay. So the animals you're you're killing heaps of goats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah. Growing up in a bit of land, so dad they had, they had hobby farm. So yeah. it was like five acres. Dad wanted chickens and goats and grow veggies and stuff. And so we were pretty lucky. I grew up had a great childhood. You know, with some, you know, the dam at the back and a paddock of trees. Yabbies. And yabbies and frogs and turtles and, yeah, yeah. And that's sort of, sort of where all grew Slug from. gun? Oh, slingshots. Yeah. Yeah, slingshots. Watch out, rabbits. You know, again, I, I, you know, wasn't, as a kid, you just, you're curious about life and death, I guess. And, you know, you, you've got that hunter-gatherer instinct as a kid. And I see it in my kids today when they're out in the backyard. But, yeah, my nonna would give me purpose. He'd say, hey, you know those rabbits, you know the smaller ones? He goes, get them. <laughs> so I used to catch him rabbits and take the, him. The smaller ones? Yeah, the big ones are stringy and not as tasty. So oh, I don't actually eat them. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. you love them. So nonna was, uh, yeah, very resourceful with that. He loved his rabbits. So I would used to go catch rabbits for him. Had all different techniques we used to use in the paddock and so, never used ferrets or anything, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, and school life, school, yeah, yeah. At primary school across the road, Catholic primary school, and Catholic primary school, yeah, yeah me too. We're yeah, fucking pits, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, it was, it was good. It was all right, was it? Yeah, okay. bit of church, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm not into that now, but it was good at the time. I think for me to sort of experience that, I, I you know, yeah, my kids haven't had that really, but. I think about it. I spent a lot of time pondering life and death and big questions as I sat in the church, you know, listen, not not really listening to anything they're saying. Did your church, did you have um, a, a statue of Mary or Jesus, Mary yeah, maybe, standing right. on a snake? With the no. Head? Yeah, man, no, we had it. Like she was cool. standing oh, on a snake yeah. and it was like squashed under cool. her foot. It used to freak me out. Mate, the statues. We, we went to Italy and the star, we went into all the, not all, we went into, can't go into all. It's like hundred, I can't believe, I think Rome had like 900 churches or something ridiculous. I can't remember. We went into a few. <laughs> uh, and the statues, unbelievable. Just the intricate detail, but then the stories behind them blew my mind just to see them in marble. You know, my kids see them too. And quite, some of them quite brutal, you know. There's one guy with no skin. I remember that one. What was his name? I can't remember now. In, um, what do you mean, a statue with no skin? Yeah, this dude would know he's carrying his skin like a cloak. Stop it. Yeah, and it was he'd a whole pelted, story behind pelted it. pelted himself. Yep, yep. He was skinned alive. I think the story was something like he was skinned alive because he went against someone. I can't remember the detail now. I thought he was a witch. Yeah, but, oh, he's, but, he, but he, they, he stayed true to his beliefs. That's why they skinned him. He didn't give up oh, he like didn't, what he believed in yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, they have a statue of him now as a remembrance of this, you know, and, he, and he's wearing his skin like a cloak over his shoulder. He's got no skin on. Like boys are looking it's at like it going, some, what's wrong with him? It's <laughs> like some Ren and Stimpy shit. It's full on. Yeah. That was great though. I can't remember. That was in um, Milan. Milan Domo, the big church there. I remember it. So first... That was my first um, big church that I've been in, and that that statue just awesome. spent ages staring at that thing. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So Mary, Mary on a snake, just necking the snake with a. Well, yeah, no, it was like she was standing on it mm. barefooted, and the head was just poking out from the side. I remember mm. it clear as day. I mean, like, only reason I say that the Catholic primary school was mm. it was just that it was way too strict, and it was. Um, yeah. I can see not that. a fun wasn't not I didn't yeah, okay. enjoy primary school because th- of all that. That's a shame, yeah. Because I could see how that. I think I was lucky. My school was was strict, but not like I wasn't that much of a trouble kid. I wasn't that much trouble when I think about it. Was, was it pretty, violent? No, 
No, not at all. No, Far no out, primary man. school. What year were you in the eighties? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was violent, man. By bull tilt. Yeah, right. Where, where, where was that? What's in the country? Up in the country. Canola. Okay, maybe you're all pent, you know, wound up out there. Maybe there's a bit more. I don't know, but d- depending on, you know, different meshes of people and things happen. I mean, yeah, my school there. Couple of British bulldogs, you oh know, God, went a bit astray. That, yeah, man. that was a good game. You know, that was. Oh my God. <laughs> That's all old times. <laughs> was it the British Bulldogs? You know, someone clips you and you get a, someone would psych out and there would be a bit of a scuffle, but yeah, there's nothing, nothing too violent. Like no rules, man. Like it would become lunchtime and mm. there was literally mm. like Lord of the Flies. Yep. It felt like every lunchtime. Yeah. I remember the teachers banned it at our school for a little while. Did they? Yeah, they banned no British Bulldogs. So we called it... Um, Pink poodles, pink poodles, and different, same thing, yeah. different name. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, come yeah. around and we just pretend we're not hurting each other, or whatever. Uh, oh, so good. Okay, so then, um, and so, you, when did you first cotton onto the surfing? Yeah, I, um, well, I grew up in Melbourne. Yeah, so we used to go to Phillip Island for holidays. Yeah, um, we had a family shared holiday house there. My nonna and you know. Years and years ago, so that was in Cowsa on the Bayside. So we wouldn't go to the surf. But then my older cousin, he was a big part in me surfing. He was even part of the reason I started coming to Torquay. But he had a surfboard one day. He was a bit older than me, and we went over to the beach at Smith's Beach. And I remember he had a surfboard and went out. And he just looked cool. It just looked, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, could I get one of them, Mum? Thinking like it was funny, you know, when you're a kid, you just I don't know, it just didn't seem like in the realm of possibility for me. And I asked, Mum, can I get one? And she said, like, oh yeah. Think, you know, I still remember it. She said, Oh, yeah, we could probably look into that. And I was just like, What? I'm like, There's a chance. It's like, you're, So you're telling me there's a chance, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, and went, went and got me a board, and that was it. And then I'm like, Mum, take me over to Smith's Beach. She used to drive me over there and got me a fluoro weddy so she could keep her eye on me. And luckily, I did a lot of swimming um, through primary school. I did a lot of swimming, and I started surfing probably. Oh, great five or six you know when we got family holidays but only for a few weeks she'd take me over yeah and then it just you know snowballs as it does i just fell in love with the whole thing then i make her take me over there she had a, I had a fluoro uh orange spring suit and i remember as i got more interested in it i still wanted to go in winter we'd go down there on odd weekends in winter yeah, yeah and i'd yeah. still make her take me down to smith's or shelley's over the other side of your cafe little small and i'd surf in the middle of winter in a spring suit <laughs> And so how old were you through this period? You would say grade six through... Yeah, so what's that, like 12, 13? And what, what, um, what, how old are you? 42. Okay, so was this early 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not great with dates, but yeah, it's something like that. that no, I love right. to paint the picture. Yeah, like, yeah it's 100%. Like, it it yeah. frames up so much stuff that was happening mm. here in Australia and mm-hmm. like trends and... Things. Oh, surfing was hot. Magazines yeah, was big. and... Yeah, know. I was doing it initially uh, to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd go to school and because, you know, no one at my school surfed and I was this guy surfing. I still remember some one of the girls that I liked at school, you know, and I, was, I must have been like carrying on and talking myself up or something, being a bit of a... And I remember she's like, you're not a surfer. You don't even live near the beach, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, but like on the weekends... Yeah, but like, like, yeah, yeah. Four, four weeks a year I go and, I, and I'm shredding, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But... Um, yeah, and then from there, I just um, would do that all the time. And then uh, going to high school, meeting other mates that sort of wanted to surf. And my cousin, we had the house at Phillip Island still. So um, it was hard to get down there. So maybe mates 
when we sort of hit, they hit 18, we were maybe 17, 16, we'd get older mates to drive me down to that place. But before then even, we'd just get the train. So we'd get the train in or bus and train to Spencer Street, Spencer Street to Geelong and then Geelong to here and, uh, and, and surf for four or five hours to get the train back. Yeah, yeah. And then my cousin moved down here for uni. Um, my older cousin had got me into the surfing, Dom, and uh, yeah, he had a place just a couple streets over. Um, you know, behind Strapper there, and he said, "Yeah, you can go and you can go and stay there." So I remember he worked at Time Zone at Forest Hill Chase, and I Time Zone, Time Zone, or something. He worked there. It's this cush job. He'd sit behind the thing and just pass out tickets. I, I, it doesn't sound good, but it was easy. Are you kidding? It sounds great. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> we just sit behind in those little glass booths and just giving people money and change or whatever. Oh man, get and to I played. Um, what was the game? Daytona. Daytona. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> I used to go in there meet him. He'd give me the key. Because he um, wouldn't be there during the weeks. Some well, weekends he'd come back. That's right. He was there for the week, and the weekends he'd come back. So I get to get a few mates together, and I'd get the train down there and just have the place to ourselves. It was crazy. We just walk, we'd walk down to Front Beach and around to Torquay Point and just have a go at that. Awesome. Yeah, it's good times. Awesome. And yeah. um, did you have like? Did you have close friends that you were surfing with then that you still surf with now? Like, is there anyone that followed you through? Mm, not from then, no. No, not really from then. Now, and then after then. And after know, then, and, yes. And after then, and after that, we I, I carried on with the surfing and uh, <laughs> yeah. started to, um, when I got my car, then it was a free, I'd go to the island, go here and there and everywhere. And I started actually, sorry, through a friend at school coming down to Lonnie. That was the other way we'd go surfing. My mate had his dad working in Geelong. I go to his place. His dad would drop to Geelong. He'd drop us at Geelong. We'd get in a bus and go down to Point Lonsdale. He used to holiday there while I was holiday. And so he knew some of the local guys there. And um, that's where some of my best friends are now. So we used to go down there. I ended up living there for a few years after uni because I would go there for surfing. And they were just a very, you know, very embracing kind of community there in the surf community, even though I've heard stories and I've seen them. The boys there were, were my mates. So. Did, you, did you meet Lockie Kearney? Yeah. You know Lockie? Yeah, no, Lockie. What a really legend. Well. Legend. Love Shout out to Lockie yeah. Kearney. Yeah, firefighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great surfer. Yeah. He was, a, he was a, you know, I would have called him a grommet when I was living there. Young fella. And I remember actually taking photos. I'm on the beach because I used to love taking photos. And uh, at that time, I'm trying to make a buck wherever I could because I was, you know, working different jobs. And I remember going and, hey, mate, you want to buy these photos from me? I think I sold them to him for some ridiculous price. But no. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to think about it. But it was all, it was all. It was film then. It wasn't. It's like you could just, right, you know, yeah. give them out for nothing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Cam, Cam Rensenbrick, one of his mates, I used to knock around. Yeah, great fellas. Yeah, they're a bit younger, so I was friends with a few of the older, older guys. But some wild times down there. When we, I remember, we used to go on the holiday. Same thing before we had licenses, and we'd go to these house where the older guys lived, and we'd all just like sleep on the floor and on the couch, and it was, it was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, now out of high school, what sort of um, aspirations? I was a bit of a lost cause. I I didn't know what I wanted to do really. I had a lot of interests, like I was passionate about photography and art and nature and animals, but how to put that into like a career, I didn't really know. So after school, I went and did um, visual arts because I loved art all through school. I loved painting, drawing, photos. So I went and did visual arts at RMIT, major in painting and minor in photography. And um, yeah, and after that, that I moved down to Lonnie. 
Did you, but at uni, did, did you enjoy that? I didn't really. I came out of uh, my uh, finishing year 12, a little bit of a, you know, some lost some of my best mates, sort of we went different ways, you know, a few issues with girlfriends and other stuff, sort of oh, busted yeah. up the gang. and Oh, no. Yeah, so I was a bit, it was a bit uh, I was a bit lost there when I left school initially. And then, um, yeah, and I was going down to Lonnie surfing and just, Doing my course. I've only scraped through the course. I mean, painting pictures and taking photos wasn't hard, but I wasn't really... When you're painting, what sort of stuff were you painting? Oh, sort of like abstract, uh, realist kind of stuff, nature stuff. Nature's always been kind of my muse. So, um, yeah, I don't know how to describe some of it. A lot of it was like out of focus, blurry stuff, water and colours and little amoebas and... You know, strange things I'd find in the rock pools, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you still paint? No, no, no. I wish I, I'm thinking about doing it again. I've just hurt my shoulder, and I've been told I can't surf for six weeks. So I'm thinking, oh, I might start painting again. But well, I've said we'll that back before. it up. Whoa, hang, what happened? Oh, nothing. I don't know. I'm getting old. Just getting old. Getting old. That's what I've been told. It happens when you get old. Your shoulder wears out, and you get this uh, bursitis, so swollen little bursa sac, and the ten. I probably injured it about a couple of years ago. Like slight injury, little tear or something. Yeah. And they've told me, and everyone I paddle, it clicks. And I just keep going. It doesn't really bother me too much. Never been a big issue. And then when I was over recently on a trip in the men's, uh, yeah, it just, and I couldn't move it. I could move it, but it just hurts like hell. Like even now, it's like hurting constantly. I've had it, it's been hurt for a month. I've been eating anti inflammatory and painkillers for like a month. It's just a constant pain. Constant. Yep. Oh, bro, that yeah, sucks. Yeah, it does suck. I've gotten used to it now. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's it'll go away. I've been told, but yeah, it can take a while. And when it's not any one thing that's happened, it's like I haven't done anything. Right, yeah, like it wasn't the, a big spill or something. Nah, yeah. just yeah, just overused it. They reckon it's overuse with an impinging tendon flicking on this little bursa sac, and then it swells up and it uh, it hurts. I can't really lift it above there. Well, I can, but then I pay for it. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Oh, don't be sorry. It's all part of getting old. <laughs> You're gonna have to get an easel and some canvases. Yeah, yeah. There's a few life, you know, things, the things in life I haven't gotten to that maybe I'll have time to do now. Mm. So um, you've been thinking about painting again, but hold mm. on. So then, mm. okay, uni did that, and you did photography. Yeah, yeah. So I sort of followed on with my photography a bit, trying. When I moved to Lonnie, I was trying to sort of, and I say trying, I probably didn't try hard enough, but I was trying to sort of forge a career in sort of landscape photography or, you know, artistic type photography. And I was taking a lot of photos, but then trying to, you know, pay the bills, I ended up having to work in many different jobs. I worked at a camera shop down in Geelong, Royd House Cameras it was called at the time. Mm. I worked in there. And, um, you know, so I could, you know, get all my film done and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I just said it was a hard thing to crack into. And it was in that transition of going into digital. Mm. And I was using film and I liked film. I just figured it all that out, yeah. you know, you just understanding the ISO and the apertures and how it all worked. And then this digital thing was creeping in and I sort of was trying to stay with mm. the film. Yeah, purist. Yeah. And then I almost got to the point where I was like, ah, I kind of just, I got other, other interests that came my way. I was, I was always interested in outdoors and nature stuff. So I was taking photos of lizards and birds and stuff in the dunes. Like when I was living in Lonnie. The grommets would call, would call me out there, man, out there, lizard man. Because they'd <laughs> sitting in the dunes with the camera. Sounds a bit creepy, but I'd be sitting in the dunes with the camera. I'd say, what are you doing? 
What? Oh, it's a lizardy. Where's the lizardy? It's camouflage. You can't see it. Trust me. Like, it's that, there. That dude's just smoking <laughs> cones by himself in the gins. <laughs> oh, it's classic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had like a little mad scientist diary of like this lizard that I've been watching for months. And then. Oh, really? Like my octopus teacher? Kind of. Yeah, a little bit of that. Mm. A little bit of that going on. Not quite yeah. as core. Cool. Not quite. No, I didn't quite spin it into the. Into the uh, the blockbuster, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, just had a fascination, just loved all that stuff. And so you're keeping a diary of the lizard. Mm. What was the lizard up to? Um, yeah, just like times a day it would come out, uh-huh. and uh, like growth rate. I was sort of just, you know, uh, yeah. having said all this though, many times like, is that the same lizard or is that a different lizard? <laughs> 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 There's a few in the genes there, so it wasn't one Are particular lizard. I was probably just looking at a broad, the broader kind of species and how they were behaving in the dunes what sort of lizard jackie dragon okay i don't know that is but yeah 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 they're around here you get them like white's beach and you get them white's beach even um jan jark and all through the dunes yeah yep and um okay so this did you then you start maybe listening to your intuition i'm guessing here a little bit and going i'm actually really interested in mm. this uh mm. nature yeah yeah pretty much i sort of with the photography in point lonsdale i was trying to do a bit of that on the side but selling stuff and talking to rodney nichols he's a photographer there he's sort of a bit of a mentor for me sort of and trying to get stuff into shops or whatever but then you know working different jobs i was working fencing i was working concreting i was working just anything yeah, lawn yeah. mowing yeah, yeah. I got a job with um, billy clipson for a great fella looked after me doing gardening but then i got a job on the dolphin boat down there with Robbie Main and the guys that do Sea All Charters. And that's like when I fell in love with the idea of like ecotourism, you know, working, um, you know, in nature, out in the environment, sharing my passion. Because I was always, always into that, you know, going spearfishing or surfing, you know, all the stuff we love doing outdoors. I was doing that. And so if I could do that for work, like go out in a boat and take a little snorkeling. So that was my sort of introduction to that. And then so I, how, did you, how did you get on there? Um, some of the guys I was surfing with in the community, um, they just knew me from being around taking photos of lizards and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. surfing and stuff. And um, Cam Renzenbrick, one of his uncles, um, ran the boat, uh, the Renzenbricks, yeah. And there was a family there uh, that I got to know. And, yeah, they sort of got me, in, got me in on the boat and I was loving life then, working on the dolphin boat. So I dropped shifts mowing lawns for poor old Billy to go take the dolphin boat. He's like, what are you, I'm giving you a job, mate, you know. I'm like, oh, but I get to go on the boat today, you know. And it was all right money for me then, so I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I... So when you were going out on this boat, were you getting in the water? Yeah, we were taking people snorkeling. So like school groups or um, just any punter wants to come on the boat and see some dolphins. So Robbie was a... He used to run a scallop dredging boat. So he was a fisherman. Yeah. Real salty dog, like classic, absolute classic. And uh, he was a real inspiration and uh, to me as well, like just watching the way he just approached life. And he would make it fun because he, you know, he knew the bay so well. So he'd take us out, hit Pope's Eye and do a snorkel in Pope's Eye and get up close to the gannets that sit on there and point out some fish to people. From the boat or swimming? No, swimming. You, you jump in. Yeah, yeah wow. jump in, have a swim Full with people. Full hands on. Yeah, yeah, snor- snorkeling. Um, then he'd have like this um, boom arm that came down on this boat. It was actually one of the first ferries that ran across the bay. And they turned it into, it was only small, like people ferry. And they turned it into this a charter boat. And had this boom arm that went down with a big net on it. They called it the duck. Oh, no, the duck, duck board was the back. But this big net and people would sit on it, hold on to it, pull you along and dive through the water like a seal, you know, with a rope. 
and then he'd take you to um, <laughs> go look for dolphins. So you go look for dolphins along like South Channel Ford area and, you know, we'd find them, jump in with them and hold onto a rope, point them out to people. But we didn't have to hold the rope, did we? We could swim off and round up the – well, not round them up, but, you know, you'd swim around and make a noise as the dolphins would come to you, you know, because you weren't allowed to kind of approach them. You'd have yeah. to park the boat in front. They'd come along. But they got to know you. Yeah. Um, so that was epic. And then, then the seals, you take you to the seals and – a little Chinaman's hat there. It's a man-made structure for the seal refuge, like all oh, male seals. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, So they go out there and, um, yeah, but the fun thing with Robbie, the, the, the skipper, he would, uh, he's a bit, of a bit of a pirate, a bit of a cowboy, you know. He'd be like. Sounds loose. Oh, he's loose, mate. He's like, but in a good way. He'd yeah, make yeah, it fun. Yeah. He goes, oh. The loose cra- is great. Yep. And the tide was slack at the seals. All the little sand crabs come out onto the sand. And it was probably only like five metres deep. It's quite shallow in the bay. And Robbie goes, oh, the crabs are out. I can see them. Yep, here's a catch bag, Zave. Get some crabs. So you're like, why someone else is mining the snorkeling group? I'm down there, hook, filling the bag with crabs. And then I bring it up and he'd cook them on the boat so people would eat the, you know, have a bit of crab on the boat. And and um, even the mussels on the pylons, you weren't supposed to. We'd give this talk, don't go under the, under the structure because the seal's going to roll off and they're also territorial, so don't go under the structure. Robbie were like, those mussels are getting, like, on the pylons, massive. You go, here goes Dave, go get some mussels off the pylons. You go, what about the seals, Robbie? He's like, ah, don't worry about them, just don't look them in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a fucking, you know, they yeah. say, like, if you've ever been, like, carjacked mm-hmm. or, or like, you never look at the the person that's jacking yeah, you in the eye. Makes sense. It's a form of... Um, Confrontation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't look at the seal in the eye. Mate, yeah. I still remember I wonder, I got real comfortable with doing it, do it all the time. You just get a catch bag and just rake it up the pylon and you just get a catch bag full of the biggest mussels, beautiful mussels. I take them home because we cook some and I take them home and souse them and put them in jars and give them to my Italian rallies and they thought they were best ever. But I remember one day I looked at the seal and he just... Opened his mouth up. This big seal was just sort of going around the pile and wondering what I'm doing. And um, yeah, I just sort of didn't mean to. Just sort of as he's come around the pile, and I've made eye contact with him, and he just opened his mouth and just roared into my face. I remember. I think there's. I've seen like on National Geographic something similar. There's a famous photo of this lion yeah, yeah, seal, and this thing, this, this first seal just rah, it blew bubbles in my mouth ah! and made noise. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Ah, just a grumbly bubblies in my face, and just ah, swim off. I'm like. <laughs> Did you freak? Oh, I freaked, yeah, I freaked. I just slowly, that was it. I'm going back to the boat now. What about Noah's? Oh, it's pretty shallow there, and there's heaps of snorkelers in the water as bait, so I was, you know, yeah, there's okay. plenty of other people oh, slower swimmer than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I've done heaps of diving in the bay. I mean, they're there, but I don't think they're like on the chew. They're not abundant. They're not, you know, I oh, don't know. Yeah. I do a bit of night dive. We did a lot of night diving actually around Ryan on that side of the bay because... Um, really? On the back beach? No, not the back beach. Oh, okay, I never right. night dived the back beach. I've got to do that. My mate Caleb, you know, Caleb, he's telling me, oh, come night diving. Should do it one time. But in the bay, I'd, I'd go because uh, when I used to work for a company like I own now, that's sort of where I do my apprenticeship, so to speak, I was in... I was a head collection diver, so I'd collect the specimens to, to take to schools that we would do. So I'd have to go out at night and... Night's the time they come out. Things like octopus and animals come out at night. Oh, it's so, a bit like nighttime here. Possums yeah. come out. Yep. All the, you know. At night, it's night diving owls. is mesmerising. Really? It's, everything comes alive. Yeah. And so you've got a, a, a torch. Yeah. I've got a good torch. I've gone through a lot of torches. <laughs> do you have a backup torch? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I've learnt, yeah, the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one of, actually, that's a pretty funny story, actually, I reckon. 
one of the funny ones. I was diving. I used to dive right up here all the time, and there's a reef out the back of the pier. So, because you could how far out the back of the pier? Oh, like 150 meters. Right. Okay. So you swim off the pier. You just yeah. have a compass. And you sort of know. Okay, just go that way. If there's a current going though, it was always tricky. Like fucking hell. But it's only Dave. shallow. It's only like five. It's like five meters, six meters. So you can always just come up and have a little pier around. So it's not. It's not like. You know, once I'm down, I have to stay down. My anxiety would get the better of me. Yeah. It was challenging at first, but I'd done a lot of diving out back beaches and stuff with friends and in sort of more depth and more. So the bay to bay was like, ah, just the bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I remember coming out the pier one time and I go by it myself because I just got to that point where uh, it was just more hassle having someone with me, you know, like I tried to take my wife a few, and she did come with me a few times, but then I've got to like, You'd be thinking about which I'm famous for swimming off. I just swim off, so I thought I'd better. It's easier if I go on my own, so I'd go on my own. Anyway, I'm swimming down the pier at night. My torch gets on the fritz, and it starts, like, flashing on, and I'm like, oh, no. This is after I've come back, sorry, and I'm under the pier now, so then the torch just goes off. I'm like, oh. But luckily, your eyes adjust, and there's lights on the pier. So I usually would pick my dive nights to be clear. So you got scuba? Slack, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, clear and slack water, so it's real still and calm, and... They need a lot, and you can see the light. You can see the pylons. I'm like, oh, I can see, you know, like I can make my way back through the pylons. You know, I've got to come. I can find my way back. Yeah. Rather than going, because you go to the surface and swim along the surface, it's just a little bit more hard, hard work sometimes. You're flopping around, and whereas you're at the bottom, you swim. So, and it's a pretty popular dive site, especially now. People dive it a lot. So, at night, at night, and during the day, and as I'm swimming down this pier, I see this light coming. I'm like, oh, it's another another diver, obviously coming for a dive. And there was two of them. And I'm like, when they see me, I've got no way to let them know I'm here. I'm just going to be this big dark figure in front of them, you know. Like, and I remember just coming along the pier and the torches are like pointing at this and that. And then they've come up and just, I would have been you to me away by the time they sort of lift the torch up. And I'm just like, boom. And you can see the torch, boom, the torch is like this. I'm like, hello. Like, what are you no, doing? didn't get shot. Yeah, if they had the spear guns or something. Not allowed to do that under piers. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, no, it was kind of funny. Oh, God, that is hilarious. Yeah. Not diving, heaps of funny stuff with that. Actually, it's a little had a seal stalk me one night. That's that scared the bejeevers out of me. And then we got to got to be friends. He just followed me around. What do you mean? I was because I go at night to collect animals like octopus and sea star. So and you stuff. put them in a bag, a catch little bag? container. Yeah, a container. Little, I, mean, I, a, I had a permit to do. this. got a permit should disclose. You know, with the fisheries, it allows me to collect a certain number of specimens every year for the purpose of education. Take to schools and kinders. You got guys on the pier catching stuff and hoofing them home and frying them up. I'm Do just you still them. have this permit? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm trying to find blue rings primarily because oh they're, wow, yeah, yeah, you know because the they're fucking one. deadly, right? Yeah, and they're just beautiful. And to show kids, it's got a real educational value for them not to touch them and all that. And you can you can find during the day, but you've got to lift rocks up, and it's you know quite invasive on the environment. So at night they're out. You can just go. There's one. There's one. So and then while you're at it. On the sand flats around the pier, you get sand octopus, which are the small octopus, and they'll come up out of the sand and bury in the sand during the day. So I'd swim out into the sand, look for a couple of them maybe on my way back. And so as I'm going along, I'm scanning my torch along, and you see an octopus. I'm like, oh, there it is there. So I drop the torch down and get my little bat thing out, kind of keeping one eye on the octopus, and then you catch it. But one this particular night, I'm scanning across, so I shine on an octopus, and while the torch is on the octopus, this seal has just come over the top of me and just gone, oh, boom, like in a big puff of sand just got taken this and i didn't know what at that time it was like Whoa! <laughs> you know what the hell's that thing it ate the octopus he just took the octopus 
And so then he he figures out he's using my torch. He, yeah, he goes. He's yeah. following me around. He's yeah, just yeah. following me around, sitting Smart. behind me. He had something around his neck. He had a necklace. Like, yeah, I got yeah. a photo of him. I made my GoPro that night. I've got a little bit of a photo of him with this bit of bling. Yeah, <laughs> he's a yeah. gangster seal. Yeah, oh, unfortunately, probably chucking him out. <laughs> bit of uh, rubbish. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was rubbish. Oh, like yeah. a bit of beer can or something. <laughs> what are you picturing this? This seal with a gold chain just. <laughs> <laughs> You're in my territory. I didn't know it was rubbish. Take my octopus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had rubbish around his neck, sorry. He wasn't a blinged up seal, um, Teagues. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, though. I'm picturing that now. There's a cartoon in that. Had a bit of a six-pack stuck around his neck, uh, six-pack yeah. plastic. Yeah. And yeah. a mohawk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, now I'm being fucking serious. Yeah, yeah you know the rings. The oh yeah, no, the rings. Like yeah, a, yeah, 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 for yeah. the dog. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no, be... no, oh, the, no. The six pack rings. Yes, sorry, that's the rubbish. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Something like that, or fishing wine, or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the poor guy. Did yeah. you help him out? I couldn't. He wouldn't come close enough. Yeah, yeah. He was just too mm. smart stalking yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so he followed me around the rest of the night and I had to work out not to shine the torch directly on the octopus. So I'd oh, shine it just off. Yeah. And he wouldn't quite gauge in on it. Out so Fox the Fox. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, bloody hell. Mm. Wow, that's a crazy experience, man. Yeah, the night dives have been good. Do yeah. you still do it? Yeah. Yeah, I go to St. Leonard's usually or Port Arlington and go out there if I need need something. But to be honest, um, I haven't done it recently. Every time I've gone to need to go do it, like the reason I didn't have to, I only have to go once or twice a year. But the octopus only have a twelve-month lifespan. They just don't live long. Not anything I'm doing. Hold on. So even in like my octopus teacher, yeah, that octopus was always going to die. Yeah. He only had a year. Yeah, every year. Yeah, the longest living cephalopods are the Pacific octopus, I believe, and they're like five, six years old, and they're big, like the giant ones. So very short. Yeah. But they're one year, but they're really intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that octopus teacher has a lot of kind of anthropomorphizing about it. So that, that's basically putting human feelings on an animal like we like to do that. So I'm not saying that they don't have feelings, but, you know, we can only relate from our experiences. So there's a lot of sort of projecting that onto the octopus on that. You know, I don't know if they're, they're smart. Not, they're very smart. They have feelings, but... I understand. I you do it with the dog. Mm. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have conversations. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should. Um, yeah. So one year, but like, so a um, let's just say a crayfish. Yeah. can live. Yeah, is it true? A hundred? Yeah, some crustaceans can live. Yeah, great long lifespans. Yeah, like giant crabs and stuff. Yeah, they can live for a hundred years. Yeah, I heard that, man. Mm. I just sort of made me not want to really want to eat crayfish anymore. Yeah, I'm a bit like that too. I love catching crays. I love diving and catching crays. But I must admit, I love finding them and the experience of you know being in their environment probably more than I do like actually eating them. Um, but everyone else likes eating them, so I'm often happy to share when I get one. It's just a bit of a buzz for that too, you know, sharing your catch with people. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. There's these ones in the Murray that I got obsessed with and these other giant ones in Is Tasman. a freshwater cray a yabby? Yeah, well, yabby's a crayfish. Yeah. Okay. So yabby's a type of crayfish. Yeah. Destructor. That's a cool scientific name they have, Destructor. What? Their scientific name is something Destructor. Yabby? Yeah, yabby. Yeah, destructor. Something destructor. That's very scientific of me. Something. Destructor. Yeah, destructor. It's it like, like foxes. Transformers or something. Yeah, there's some cool scientific names. I'm not really great with them all, actually, but like foxes are vulpus vulpus. I think that's a cool one for a fox. <laughs> vulpus vulpus. Vulpus vulpus. 
Yeah. What? Gorilla, gorilla. That's a good one. That that's for a, um, gorilla. A fox. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Scientific names are so bizarre, especially in yeah. the arachnoid like oh, yeah. spiders. And like, when you go to the zoo and you see the like, oh, I can't say them. Yeah, it's, yeah. I struggle with English, so for me, that was a big part of. I struggled with actually with taking on because I'd never done formal zoology or biology and such, but I had a lot of time spent observing animals and you know interest in nature but then learning that sort of science speak is, was a bit challenging for me so mm. hold on let's back it up you're doing a uh like a working apprenticeship for this business over on the peninsula is that who yeah, you're catching yeah they're in melbourne so well after lonnie i was living in lonnie doing all that ecotourism stuff and yeah. then um mum was trying to get me home and mum and dad were like you know you're being a bum down there. Yeah, you've had enough smoking yeah, cones yeah, yeah. in June. Yeah. Come back. <laughs> so they, uh, mum found me a job, you know. Mum was, mum, my mum's brilliant lady, just, just always on the go and just very selfless, always thinking of others. And she'd found me a job. And so she's like, this job would be great for you, Zave. And I must admit, I agreed. I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. So it was a job doing what I do now as a wildlife demonstrator. And I didn't have any formal, they, did, they said, you know, what was preferable, zoology and stuff, but not essential. So I went in there and having had experience with animals and I had lizards when I was growing up as a kid and turtles and stuff on the farm. So part of the interview, I had to hold a lizard and I was like, just, you know, frothing. I was like, wow, it's a frill neck lizard. I've never seen a frill neck lizard, you know, in person like that. And he handed it to me. I remember just going, wow, this thing. I was just captivated. Um, yeah, so I got the job, worked there for eight years and sort of became one of the main um, demonstrators in that company eight years yeah what was the company yeah uh wild action wild action yeah and competitive we're, we're you know yeah yeah, not, yeah yeah okay and yeah. it's cool we we're good friends for many years there and yeah. then as i guess a working relationship gets a bit strained after a while and you know it goes both ways i suppose and then yeah i, I finished up there well, so sorry, mm, eight yeah. years. So you yeah. went in pretty green, obviously, mm, because you mm. started when to hold a frill neck was yeah. a big deal. Yeah. I've and held then, other lizards, but yeah, never yeah. a frill neck lizard. I never travelled far. You know, I'd been around Victoria, interstate a little, but yeah. So yeah, it was a bit green. Yeah. yeah. And so when you were doing this job, mm. what was sort of the, the stuff that you were dealing with? Yeah. For them? Well, the job was they would give me a selection of native Australian animals, predominantly reptiles, to take home in my care. They'd set me up with enclosures and all this sort of stuff. And I'd take it home and look after it and then pack them up every morning and take them to a kindergarten and show kids. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And at the time, I remember when I went out with a chap. Um, and he, he again. He was a big. <laughs> That's a bit of a trip. It was, yeah. I didn't think I could do the job. I remember when I first watched um, Chris, who was the owner of the company, um, do his first show. I was just blown away. You know, I'm like, wow. But I'm like, I can't do that. I can't pull that off. You know. But he was very um, encouraging. Isn't that funny? Because I look at you and I think, yeah, you could totally do that. Yeah. Well, if you'd ask Chris, he's. He created me, basically. <laughs> he said that a few times, you know. If you ever listen to this, you get a real, you get a real buzz here on that. But look, you know, I learned a lot from him and working with him, definitely. And uh, also found, you know, my groove, you know, found my mojo, so to speak. I had a lot of comp- – I never thought I'd talk, uh, be a public speaker. Like when I was doing uni, I had to go and do present um, some project or something and I had to present it to the – to the class in the auditorium. I didn't go to uni that day. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't pass that bit. I just did, well, didn't have the confidence to speak in front of big groups of people. So that was amazing. That was probably the biggest thing I got from working there with Chris. And um, 
yeah, but then the love of the animals just, you know, I, I got into it because I loved animals and I'd work with people in ecotourism. Um, but then just seeing the reaction from kids and just, you know, it was just, I just become in love with it, you know. And it's funny because I was real idealistic growing up, didn't want to work. It was part of the reason I didn't go into zoology and stuff. I, I sort of wanted to be a wildlife photographer, you know, just wander the bush and take photos of animals and just mm. live in harmony yeah, and all yeah. this sort of utopian, idealistic sort of stuff. And I uh, didn't want to work with animals in captivity, didn't love zoos too much. And there I was working, putting animals in boxes and bags, taking them to kindergartens. It was a kind of polar opposite to what maybe I would th- thought I'd be doing. And but I loved it. I could see how much merit it had, I think. So would they give you like a carpet python? Yeah, I got an olive python, black-headed python, sand goanna, stumpy-tailed goanna. lizard. Yeah. Now, is yeah. it true that if you got with a goanna, if you're the tallest thing in the uh, yeah. vicinity, it'll yeah. run up you? There's a, yeah, I've seen them and, you know, gotten close. And there is a bit of truth to that. They get startled. They'll look at you as something to run and hide under or on. But generally speaking, they'll go the other way. I think it'd be a pretty unlucky scenario for that to kind of happen. They are the most impressive they creature. Are. We they had are. heaps on the farm when I was young. Yeah, big laces. Big, big laces probably, yeah. Like Lace six monitors. foot. Mm. Mm. They are the smartest of all reptiles. Very Is intelligent it? animal. Man, they, mm. there was this um, karawong tree out the side of my bedroom. Mm. And there, one day, man, there was one that was just, it was gigantic. Yeah. I remember i would just been mesmerised by it. Yeah. It's like prehistoric. Yeah, yeah little Komodo dragons. Yeah, there's Komodos, you know, massive. Yeah. Yeah, we were camping in Pambula recently and they were coming to the campsite there and it was two oh, metre scavenging. Peter. Two metre Peter. He'd <laughs> yeah, rock up. Right. <laughs> Someone named him. The tax man. Go, mate, can we name that one? It's a good name. It's a really good one. Yeah, 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 two metre Peter. Yeah, and he'd come in and eat the fish frames that people would chuck in there. And I remember my boys actually were camping down at, um, I think it was uh, Argonne, da- da- uh, Seal Rocks anyway, camped down at the end there. We'd been to Australia Zoo. So they're all got the buzz on, they've got the Australian Zoo shirts on. And um, is that Steve Irwin? Steve Irwin, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Australia Zoo, Steve Irwin, yeah. So I've sort of, you know, he hasn't been alive when they're alive when my kids were born, but I've shown him stuff because he was too good a Did you ever meet him? I high fived him. Shut up. Yeah. I've got to hear it. Yeah, well, well, it was a fleeting moment. Yeah. Yeah, Went to Australia Zoo, um, walked around his park, checking it out. He's riding around on a motorbike, going to different enclosures, and he just stopped at one enclosure. I just ran up. I just high-fived him and he sort of looked at me, high-fived me. Yeah, I just ran off. <laughs> didn't know what to say to the man, but didn't want to, you know, be a burden. But Was he an idol of yours? Oh, uh, yeah. Yes and no. Not not a, like I think i got a fellow that works with me now, Brandon, absolute legend. Uh, he's a bit younger than me and I feel like maybe those little bit younger kids were more, more captivated with him. I was, but not like he was... I was like Malcolm Douglas, like Malcolm Douglas, and that was sort of my introduction then. And Steve come along. Albie Mangles. Albie Mangles. I was <laughs> going to say Albie next. I had a lizard called Albie Mangles. Yeah. Is it lizard. true that Albie threw his dogs off the car and he was a bit of a? I heard that about him. I don't know how much of it. Just thought. to create a story if they didn't have one. Wouldn't you know. be surprised from what I saw. Yeah. He always had very attractive girls on the travel mm, with him he too. Did. I've heard that about him too. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. But smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think. I think people that sort of are on, on the TV a lot they're, they're, or chasing that sort of uh, attention is a certain type of person. It, it does, I know. Yeah. yeah. I found that when yeah, I was... a player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I'm joking. I was no, no. Really not well, even Steve, I mean, I've heard people that worked with him and, you know, it's one thing on camera. He was like that off camera, I've heard too. Um, 
But no, nice. he suffered depression, didn't he? Yeah, no, yeah. I've heard he was, you know, not always nice. But no, he's like a anybody. human being. It's ex- exactly. We yeah, all exactly. like we all have shit days. We all fucking you yeah. catch us in the wrong mm, moment. Mm. You catch me on the Western yeah. Ring. On, but some of those in, people, I reckon, there's an extra level of intensity there. Oh, and, that yeah. inten- and that intensity could probably kind of, you know, play, you know, clash, clash with certain. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Oh, there's yeah. plenty of stories about. Yeah. Plenty of those sort of people that yeah. off camera go spackers at <laughs> yeah. all sorts of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, with, uh, when I worked with other company, they got a bit of a TV show rolling, you know, and so some of the things that I saw happening in that whole process was interesting. It sort of really opened my eyes to. They got a TV show going. Well, yeah, he did. He had, he did his own show. I was on his show a little bit because it was about his business and the staff. So and... this is the eight year company. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Chris Humphrey's Wildlife or something it was called, yeah. Um, yeah, just don't believe everything you see on the TV. It's, oh, is that right? <laughs> there's a bit of that there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I think I was represented pretty fairly. I was all right, but yeah, there was, there's, there was some things there with other people that... What about the Tiger King? Well. Oh, what a <laughs> mind. What a spin out that was. Jeez. Man, that was heavy. Yeah, quite sad, really. Really sad. Yeah, really sad. Really sad. Not just for the Tigers. You know, no. sad on many levels. The human, the human element there was. Well, the guy that killed himself, like I could not believe was, that. Yeah, he was a like really beautiful young man, wasn't he? Like handsome fella. Look, I remember when we watched him, I was like, oh, he's nice. And yeah, poor fella. Anyway, yeah. so um, ooh, 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 yeah, eight years, and so mm. the guy built you. Yeah, he made me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I got a, it. Must have been like uh, we were good friends. We, you know, he inspired me to sort of travel certain places in Australia. Well, encouraged me. I was already inspired to do it. Yeah, but he's encouraged me. And um, when I was but, so just to go, go get out there and have a look around. And yeah, when he would give me holidays. You know, yeah, okay. I, you yeah, know, first time I ever, um, you know, really felt like Lonnie was like my getaway. People went overseas and did the whole European tour thing. I lived at Lonnie for four years. You know, that was my um, independent sort of finding myself kind of thing yep. away from the fit parents. But then, um, yeah, coming back to Melbourne, um, I went and did like just a short, I think a 12-day trip to um, to Uluru with a mate. We just did this massive mish and just, you know, tried to find as many animals as I could and experience them in their environment and stuff. So that was a real... Pre-social now, media. Yeah. Yeah. Just for... Yeah, just for fun, mate. Not for, not for likes, not for content, yeah. just, just for the good old experience of it. Yeah. yeah. I really am glad, you know, I grew up before. Me too. Because yeah. I, I must admit, I do a lot of it now with the business I've got to do it. And even now I feel obligated to create content and it's, oh God, it's... It's tiring. It's tiring. Mm. I yeah. feel really so. I feel very fortunate that I grew up without it. Same as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you mm. went on this road trip to Uluru. You know, I've never been. Oh, mate, wait till you go. I'm itching to get magical place into the Red Centre. Magical place, Uluru, and now did you feel you're a pretty tuned in mm-hmm. chap, um, like akin or connected? Did you feel like part of the ancient dream yeah. time? Yeah. I did. I was spiritual. Didn't sleep on the whole way there though. So we were that bu- buzzing me and my mate. We just Math. took turns, just <laughs> straight. <laughs> no through. admissions, all right. <laughs> we just drove straight up there. Yeah. Take turns. Yeah. And I remember getting there, just like whoa. We went straight to Katajuda, which is the Olgas. Yeah, right. Across. Oh, the funny thing is, is this other thing. I can't remember what it's called now, but there's this thing that looks like Ayers Rock as you approach Ayers Rock. 
I'm probably going to spoil this for you when you go there and you go, oh, it's Edge Rock. There it is. You get excited, but you're still like three hours away from it. And as you get closer, oh, it's not Edge Rock. <laughs> anyway, so we did that. And then we got to Katajuda, got out, bottle of water, and just started walking. And we didn't realize how freaking odd it was, <laughs> you know, and almost, and not sleeping. We were like, oh my God, when, when's the end of this loop? We didn't have a map, didn't have a phone. So this is around stuff. the Olgas? Yeah. 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 And we weren't like, it's, you no can't shade? get lost there. Not really. We did climb up underneath the little ledge at one point just to sit and go, <gasps> you know. Um, but I remember we felt like we were walking in circles. Oh, you feel like you could have been like, um, yeah. what is it? Uh, hanging, ro- ten, hanging rock. Die 10 metres from the car. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. We're like, oh, what have we done? Oh, I had no water. Anyway, got back to the car. It was all good. But it was our first little reality check. But having said, getting there though, to that area, it did have this magic about it. Yeah. I felt this, this ancient, unchanged, you know, magic about it, you know, like going back in time to this, you know, it hasn't changed. It's just this desert of just incredible. Once an inland sea, you know, just... Is that right? My, yeah. You go up to the the Katajuda, the rocks, um, the Olgas, and it's um, little round rocks inside a big rock. Like it's one it's a big rock. I don't know. I'm not a geologist, right? So <laughs> bear with me here. All right. Yep. Layman's turns, rounded rocks are smoothed off by water movement, Yeah. Yes. You know, like yeah, pebbles in a river. Yeah, just pebbles wear in a river. Down. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I did read this though, somewhere. Okay, like, so yeah. it's yeah. proof that it wasn't inland sea. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, crazy. Where'd you sleep that night? Uh, in our swags, um, down the road to the Tanami Desert. I remember because we went back into then we went to Uluru, and we didn't want to stay at the caravan park. We're like, we're not staying yeah, at the yeah, caravan yeah. park. Mate. Let's, you know, yeah, this is where you're doing proper. This is doing proper, and there's a road that goes basically from Uluru. All the way across the western part of Australia into the Tanami Desert. Highway? Maybe it is. I think that might be it. I think that might be it. Or the Tanami. I thought it was a Tanami. It might start there, but the gun barrel is what connects through. Like... That'd be it. That'd be it. And so I've heard just drive, because what they do in Uluru, they close the gates, right? So when you go in there, <clears throat> you go back out into the caravan park and that, you can't get back in. There's a road that just goes around Uluru. You can't get back in. You can drive around it? Yeah, there's a big bitumen road that goes around it. What? Yeah, you're still a few k's off it, but yeah, you drive around it, get a whole view of the whole thing. Yeah. You don't even need to get out of your car. You have you to get out of your car. Get out and walk around or ride a bike No, no, but it. you don't have to. No, you don't have to. No. You that can just drive is... up to it and look at it, drive around it and go. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> Mate, it's huge though. Like you can you, see it from a mile away. Going back, sorry, the, yeah. I follow the Gun Barrel Highway on mm-hmm. Instagram. Ah, okay. And they want to... Bitch a minute. Yeah. Mm. And I've mm. actually unfollowed because it breaks my heart. Mm. It's like the last bit of mm. you put bitumen through there and people are going to just drive any kind of rig, litter, yep. you know. Well, I did the Gib last year and they want to bitumen that. The Gib River Road goes to the Kimberley. And I that's don't know, like, but yeah. yeah. That's magical. And that, that's yeah. See, I just think you just got to leave some yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. Dirt roads are all right. Dirt roads are great because well, it stops a lot of people. Yeah. And it, like, it's like the car parks around here. Mm, mm. There was, there's a bit of mystique yeah. to them. There's a little bit of yeah. unorderliness to it when it, you don't, you just yeah. roll in. Well, going down Tosso is a bit of a mish, isn't it? It's, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta Post, be, <laughs> it's a good vibe down there, it man. Is, yeah. Like, yeah. I like that. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. All right. We agree on don't bitumenize shit. No, don't bitumenize it. Is it that? Is that the word bitumenize? Bit, well, yeah, I guess so. Don't bitumenize. Seal it. Seal it. Seal it. Don't yeah, seal it. Yeah. But um, that that 
that place is magic, yeah. Special place. So, okay, so you, you darted up there and that was your first real trip that wasn't to Point Lonnie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of abroad, you know, <laughs> yeah, like really yeah. out there on yeah. my own, yeah. Camped down that uh, gumball, that road. We just drove down that road and just pulled off it into the sand and just rolled the swags out and stayed there the night. I remember at night, all these big beetles coming out, walking around, and these little lizards that were like, they're called sand swimmers, and they'd just like come across the camp and then just disappear in the sand and stuff. So we were just, I was just mesmerised, this whole different ecosystem that I'd never seen. Yeah. Cool. Come amazing. back with a story. Mm. and uh, a little bit wiser and yep. so then so okay so then we'll fast forward and then you worked for this guy for that amount of time and yep. then you sort of thought to yourself mm. yeah pretty much yeah a few things are happening like I'd, I'd work there that long people would come and go i was probably the longest standing mem- staff member i mean people uh you know like you, i think you're talking earlier about you know some people just can't stay in a working environment for too long or people just tend to wear people out there's a bit of that so People would come and work for us. I'd help train them and be part of that process. And one guy in particular went out and started his own business. And he was coming up to me every so often going, hey, mate, come on over, come work with me, you know. And um, he was a nice fellow. I really liked him too. And uh, But, you know, I'd, I was pretty loyal, you know, and yeah, Chris was a friend of mine. And yeah. I was happy there at the time with work. But then things happened with the show and I kind of – few things were revealed to me that I kind of weren't really comfortable with. So I thought I'm going to do get out of my own. And when I realized when I was well, going to leave, basically I want to leave. Um, but then I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was, I'm really good at this. I was actually, you know, without pissing my own pocket, I was really good at it. It's what I did. And I loved it. And I toyed around with other ideas about going back into building industry or something. But, you know, cause I did a bit of laboring in the younger years and my dad sort of taught me how to be handy with tools. I thought, but then I'm like, no, nah, I want to do this. So I did it. I just started my own business. My wife at the time, she was a flight attendant. How did you guys um, meet just quickly? Yeah. Oh, in a nightclub in Melbourne. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The good old fashioned way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So started the business. She actually wasn't a flight attendant at that time. She'd left flight attending and she was working. Anyway, she supported me while I started my business, getting a few animals. Um, but I was kind of lucky having worked there for eight years People knew me. So when I was going around doing like marketing, which is basically just knocking on kinder doors or ringing up kinders and schools, they were like, oh, Xavier, oh, you've been here before. So I was luckily yeah, able you to. Had it foot in. Yeah, foot yeah. in. Yeah. Trust this guy. Yeah. 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 So my old boss hated me for it, you know, um, called me all sorts of, accused me of all sorts names. of things, yes. you know, accused me of stealing his animals and you know, oh. stealing his IP and all this sort of stuff. But but after eight years, I had to develop my own style and develop my own factual information that I'd share and all the rest. And I guess it's like an apprenticeship really, isn't it? You go and work with someone, they teach you some skills and you go out and, you know, do it for yourself. Yeah, I get it. So, yeah. Yeah. So that so their um, wildlife exposure was born. Yeah. Now is exposure spelled X P O? Is the X? Yeah, I was getting all like, play on playing um, play, play on that a bit yeah. on your on yeah, your yeah, first yeah, yeah. Good, pick, good picking that up. Thank you. Not just that I can't spell, you know, <laughs> and it's cooler. <laughs> well, it's trying to be you know brand kind of you know yeah. dynamic X is a dynamic kind of image and yeah yeah I thought yeah X for Xavier. Don't know if it really applies. I was, again the old boss accused me of like trying to be clever and stealing his business name because he's he was wild action and wildlife exposure and he used to joke about wild action if you google it 
comes up with some other things if you know what i'm saying oh wild wow action. yeah cool and i'm gonna google it after this and then, wild action <laughs> yeah the wildlife exposure maybe exposure is a little bit you know i don't yeah, know that's yeah. what he was sort of claiming that i'd somehow yeah. tried to anyway no he just sounds a little bit annoyed that you went oh, totally. Yeah. yeah totally that happens um so yeah so your wife was um giving you a leg up yeah and and i'm just hustling trying to get into the kinders and it moved pretty quick once we got a few few jobs and word of mouth gets around and and before I knew it, I don't know, it was probably like three years and maybe yeah, three or four, three years, four years and my wife was able to leave her job. She came across and started managing the accounts and, you know, booking and all that sort of stuff because I found I was doing it all and it was just hard feet, looking after the animals, doing the shows, talking to people on the phone. And yeah, so we're a team now and so without Mads... My wife, shout out. She she's amazing. She just does all the stuff that I don't want to do, <laughs> but you know she's good at it too. She's just really good at it. No, this, that's great. I, I you mm. know I, a few, I've got a few mates who are in a similar. Mm. They do the and the their their better half does the um yep. stuff that they're not good at. Yep. Yeah. It's good. Yep. Good. What do you call it? Symbiosis. Symbiosis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, look. I mean. Yeah, there's a lot to, you know, I'm doing that or looking after the, even now, like. So, so can I, just mm. tell me, so like now ex, wildlife exposure, it's, um, I, you know, I see your van. Yep. Uh, it's hard to miss. Mm. And so I, I, like in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck does Zave do? Does he have like a zoo? <laughs> is he Steve Earl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is that, over. Is that van full of snakes? Like what's going on? Sometimes, yeah. Well, ba- basically we've got like a little private sanctuary set up at home where we house the animals. What sort of animals you got? Uh, all native Australian animals. So um, mostly reptiles. We've got no venomous stuff, all python snakes, goanna lizards, dragon lizards, blue tongue lizards. We've got tree frogs and growling grass frogs. Few spiders? Different species. Spiders, yeah. We've got the bird, Australian bird-eating spider. and uh, Sometimes we have huntsmen's and stuff that we'll keep and take out. Um, no we funnel have, webs? No, no. Could have. Excuse me, the um, giant bird-eating spider, Australian funnel, uh, Australian, Australian tarantula, they call them. Not really a tarantula, but anyway, they're, they're like a funnel web, just a big thing. And then you've got um, owls. We've got owls and rat kangaroos and possums and a couple of koalas. And I did have a couple of dingoes. I've got one dingo. You're real. Yeah. Purebred. Yeah. Yeah, only one left now, sadly. My, my Khan, he was 15 and we just had to, had to let him go. Yeah, they're not built to live that long, the dingo. You know, um, red healers. Mm-hmm. Got a bit in them. Yeah. 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 I think they put them in there, and there's a few other species too, like the um, Kelpies yeah. have a bit in them. Do they? Yeah, for uh, stamina yeah. and yeah, intelligence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Stamina. They're super smart, mate. They're that smart. The dingo? Oh, yeah. You can see it in the Kelpie. You can see it in the healers as well. They're really clever dogs, but dingo is just next level. Is that right? Yeah, it's like they're it's like they've got a I don't know like a self awareness, sixth sense. Yeah, and they just know. It's like they know they're rad. <laughs> it's like this. Meh. You can train them a bit, but you can you never you never really own a dingo. It's his own dog. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Like even my car, it, it broke my heart, you know, because but it doesn't at the same time. It's something that really. Uh, it's a strange thing to say, but I learned a lot from that animal about myself. Just because ha- I'd had dogs growing up. But then having that animal just really tested me uh, and my own 
you know, patience and acceptance and understanding of something else because he was really just his own thing. Even though he loved me, I like to, to think get. he did. I think to think he loved me, but I'm more maybe he respected me. And if there was a little, little love, I don't know. It's just a strange relationship. Why? What may? What? Well, I think he loved me just because he's. I don't know. There's just no bullshit. It's just like I'm a dingo, and I'm. This is I don't know. This is me. He, sort of. He like, wouldn't play fetch. Nah, <laughs> nah. No, he'd play. We, when he was a pup, he used to play. He lived in the house with us until he was probably two years old or something. And um, he'd play and we had a, he had a teddy bear. The funny thing was I took him to kinders, right, to show kids. And so he was very assimilated to people. But then I'd give him like a fluffy toy to play with, his little bear, and that was his toy. So whenever I went to a kinder, if he saw a fluffy toy in the oh room, he just wanted to kill it. <laughs> yes. He just wanted to go and get it. So that was a bit of a bad – it was pretty funny. Um yeah, he'd play heaps, but he wouldn't fetch. Like, I, I, I'd mates with dogs and I'd take my dingo around to their place and only if they had a secure backyard because they're like escape machines. I mean, if paling fence, gone, right? I've seen them climb cyclone fences and stuff. Like, there's, you can't, if they want to get out, they're getting out. So, like, this yard, no problem? No, gone. Gone within a second. Just so, what was his name? Khan. So, Khan wouldn't want to be, he wouldn't want to hang at home? No, we had to have him in a pen. He would hang at home. Like, it's funny. After six months, so I used to walk him around with no lead, go down the river. We lived in Warrandyte. Go down the river with him, swim. No lead for six months, he'd stay with you. And then after six months, it's like this awareness just comes into play and they're like, oh, hang on a minute. Okay, and walk I'm, about. Yeah, and one day I remember down the river, he just ran off. And I'm like, oh, no. And he just, they move like lightning. Like, yeah. don't stop. He gone. I'm like, oh, no, I'm run, running around looking. Everywhere. No, hope, fine. I'm nearly getting dark. I'm like, oh, God. And I actually got a photo of him just before he did it. I got this photo of him sitting in the grass and he had grass burrs in his fur. And I reckon that's part of it. He was just a bit uncomfortable and just like, ugh. I got this photo of him looking at me and he's gone. And so couldn't find him. Got dark, got home, sitting at the front doorstep. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you beauty, good boy. And um, yeah, so you had to contain him. It was sort of, it was sort of a tough thing. Like you could never really let him off a lead just in case, especially when he, was in old, when he got older. We, we have a permit to have him. And if he was to get away, I have to report that he's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And as soon as that happens, it is, yeah, yeah, it's so stressful. Could, yeah. stressful. I couldn't risk it. I might lose my permit. Yeah. He might get shot. euthanized, shot. Yeah. Not only that, if he was to get into a paddock with sheep, he would just... Yeah, he'd have a field you know. day. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, I never really had to let him off the lead much. But I used to go to mates' places that I knew as a puppy. He used to take him as a puppy, so he'd know... Familiarise himself with it, and I'd sort of get to know, you know how long he could be there before he would decide he, he wouldn't stay there any longer. So I'd go around to mate's place, run around the backyard. His best friend was Fritz at the time, my mate's uh, Black Shepherd. I'd run around the backyard, but it's funny you get there, he'd run around, they get excited, ha, ah, wag your tails, you know, kiss a little bit, lick and sniff or whatever. Ten minutes later, he's just like roaming the block thing. Why Fritz, the other ones, following him around, like, hey, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Dingo's just like, mate, just look at it with this like. I'm on a jailbreak. Mate, yeah, just leave me alone. Like, <laughs> yeah. It'd get to the point after like even 15, 20 minutes, can't just be at the door just going, telling me to go. He wants to get out of here because the other dog's there going, hey, hey, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's still just like, mate. Yeah, okay. They're yeah. made for the wild. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And and so so the deal is, is like now, so you are going mm. to schools. Schools, yeah. And... 
and just educate kids. It's on, just is it just schools? Uh, kindergarten, a lot of kinders, mostly kinders, early learning. It sort of evolved over the years since I've started doing it. Kinders were more of a thing. Now kinders have kind of amalgamated into daycare centres. They'll have a kinder program, but so we're doing daycare and childcare centres, schools. They're produ- it's probably two thirds um, kinders, early learning, a third schools, and then you know little bits and pieces of other stuff, uh, aged care facilities. Really? Yeah, yeah. Other end of the spectrum. You know, mm. they're great. You get a lot of, you know, special schools. You've got um, events and festivals. So, you know, like... Uh, I think oh, kite... you were saying that you are going to see more? Yeah, see more show next week, I think it is. Yeah, they get us there. And then the kite festival here with the kids they put on. We're down there as well. So they're pretty full on those gigs. The so schools and the kinders work well. We go in there, just one presenter will go in with a selection of, I believe, 10 animals. 10? Yeah, about 10. Did you keep them 10. in the car the whole time? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you try to travel them. So we're, only, we're very careful about what animals we do take, you know, and then luckily after not, you know, doing an apprenticeship for eight years, I sort of could learn what works and what didn't work. And the other chap had done that as well over, over the many years. So, you know, some people do and he, like, will take some animals that I don't take because I just don't think they travel well. Like kangaroo, I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can have them when they're little joeys, when they get big, and you gotta, oh, yeah. you know. Well, I try to have an animal that I can work with its its you know entire life, so it's sort of more sustainable for as a business, but also for the animal. You know, I'm just not just throwing it back out in the paddock and get another one. Yeah, you know, I've got this animal I can work with for years. So yeah. we've got little rat kangaroos we take, and they're nocturnal, so they're sleeping in the car when we're driving around. They're sleeping in the classroom when they're in the little box there, and then we just get them out for kind of two minute hello session with the kids. So if we might do four sessions at a school, the animal's really only out interacting with people for probably five, ten minutes a day. That's it. It might be travelling around with me, but it's not getting manhandled for the whole day. It's just and, these and short... And so your cars, you have to insulate them and... Yeah, their cars are sort of open-aired sort of vans that air conditioning runs through the whole thing. Yeah. Nothing too fancy, just making sure they're air-conditioned. You know, yeah. you don't ever leave the car with animals in it. You know, obviously no. that's... Yeah. You don't you know, go surfing it, with them all. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah. Maybe if it's not a hot sunny day and they're happily sleeping, but you know it's not something I can. Yeah, I take them home and put them back in their enclosure. Yeah, yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. Well, no. Well, there's times you know when say I had it's a job. Bumping. Yeah. Well, when I was living in Melbourne, yeah, no, I'd drive down and do a kinder in Ocean Grove, and if it wasn't a hot sunny day and the animals could sit in the car, they'd be all right for an hour. I'd go for a quick surf. Yeah, that's for right. Sure. It's, yeah. Everyone, yeah, that's... everyone wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you had any close calls? As in, like you take a python to. Yeah, you know, no, like... no, no, luckily not with the public. With okay. myself, I've had a few little things and like, you know, there's been, um, I've had, I've had, a, had a snake bite me once in a, um, wasn't it, it was like a display we were doing. Um, luckily no one really noticed, but yeah, ne- never with the public, never. It's one of those things, it's a, it's a, like my insurance, for example, trying to explain to an insurance company that I want to take a crocodile and a snake and a, Blue ringed octopus into kindergarten. They're like, you kidding, mate? Yeah, you, know? like, you want to take a gun in? <laughs> yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like explaining all that's hard work, but we got yeah good public liability. But um, it's it's about I guess uh, knowing your animals, knowing your audience, you know the kids. But it's more about yeah, no, certain animals can work and work well, and we have to sort of like, you know, vet them as they come through. We get a new animal, we have to handle it for weeks, months, sometimes before it's like yeah, that animal can. Yeah, it's yeah. it's up for up for it up for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like, 
venomous snakes you obviously like in nindo mm. you played around with the sea snake yeah you're pretty comfortable so mm. for you now mm. is like a snake a snake a snake like you to know how point, to handle yeah. it yeah. and it's like they all have the same mechanism and just some have more poison than others yeah there's or, a bit of that but yeah it's or, a whole other level if you're handling a venomous snake i don't do a lot of it i haven't done a lot of it i did a bit Back when I was um, working for uh, that other mob, I mean, they had some venomous stuff that I was in charge of taking care of. So I'd have to clean their enclosures and stuff. Um, inland Taipans, they're the most venomous in the snake world. in the world. And he had a few of them. I had to clean their enclosures. What? That was This guy intense. had a couple of those things? Yeah, yeah. I remember the, I remember one day I had to clean them. What the I fuck has he head- got those things for? Yeah, I don't know. He just, you know, just wanted to have them because, you know, they're... Most venomous snake in the world. We didn't use them for any educational purposes or anything. I mean, maybe when people came up to the property, you'd show them. But um, yeah, nah. I mean, I, I I remember he was on holiday and I was looking after the whole place. Holy shit, And I'm shit, there on my own. Man. I'm there on my own. This is up in the hills too. We weren't like close to much there. And I'm like, all right, I've got to get myself together here to pull this off. But if you use certain techniques and you've got the right equipment, we had like um, these hook thingies. Yeah, I've and, seen um, you know, bins and the way you, 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 there's a way to do it. I was trained as well. So, but um, so just say we saw one outside. Could you yeah. just go out yeah. and there was a brown, get it by the tail? And yeah, yeah, it depends on hot. If it was a really hot day, I'd probably be very, very reluctant <laughs> unless I had a stick. I'd probably want another stick just to sort of fend it up. Yeah. But yeah, I could. I remember the scariest thing I ever did was pick up a brown snake, actually. I didn't, I was way out of my league when I did that. I, I was on my own then. Too. So the hotter, the more edgy and, uh, yeah, more potential for danger because they're just fast and they can whip around. They are hammer when they're yeah. when they're on, they're on they're like on, snakes yeah. are. You can tail most like venomous stuff like tigers and and browns, taipans. You can't really tail them because they're too quick. Is that right? They're quicker. Things, yeah. Quick taipans not only the deadliest, yeah. but it's the quickest. You can tail them, but it's not recommended. Like you shouldn't really rely on tailing a taipan. Tailing means grabbing it by the tail. By the tail. Because they can come up themselves real, come up themselves real quick. They're quite light. They, their taipans can climb a bit as well. How um, fast out do these things come? Oh, the taipan, you wouldn't have to worry. Yeah, they're not down here. No, you, I know oh, that. Yeah. But like, oh, I think the, there's an inland taipan that's like central Queensland, and then you have got a coastal taipan, I believe, comes down to like uh, like Brizzy Way down just past that far Brizzy down. Way. Yeah. So they're around. Yeah. I'd have to double check that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inland around the cane fields and stuff they have out that way. <sighs> Right. Yeah, there is some cane fields out there, isn't there? Yeah. 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 Yep. One of the most venomous, yeah, taipans. And because they... um, They can give a dry bite too, those. Yeah, all, all can. All yeah, can. Yeah. And is that like just determined, are they smart enough to go, I'm going to kill this fucker or I'm going to dry yeah, bite this fucker? they must be. Hey, I don't really know how that might work. Or is it just yeah. like, you know, roulette? Yeah. I, yeah, I think they can choose, but it also might be the pressure they put on. Maybe once a certain amount of pressure is applied, then the gland just you know gets pushed out. And if it's a quick hit, it might not have that same pressure that releases the venom into you. So I don't think it's like a thing where they choose to inject it. But then again, I don't, you know, I'm not a venomous snake. I have to call on one of my other mates on that one. I've got a mate that does what we do but specialise in the venomous stuff. Uh, another reason, I'm no reason to get into it. He does a lot of that stuff. But, um, Do dogs inherently know not to go near snakes? Yeah, yes and no, I think. 
Yeah, because there's a lot of they do uh, snake avoidance training with dogs. Well, this was a question. Yeah, yeah, and they use pythons to do it. Sometimes they use a python as a, you know because it looks. Yeah, yeah it's the, the dog same goes up and buzz them. Yeah, yeah. So not all dogs. No, I think you'd hope most smart dogs would. Well, well, growing up right on the farm, mm. there was like we had snakes mm. and um, the dogs. I don't think we ever got a dog bite, but they were, you know, always, yeah, always there. There, and the dogs would bark at them, and they'd let us know when they mm. were around for sure. Those dogs, farm dogs, bred from other farm dogs, probably. Well, yeah, totally. They were yeah. all working yeah. dogs, and they yeah. come from working dogs. Yeah. But I was just like, so is that an ingrained trait to an animal? Full stop, or is mm. that just like a farm do- working dog? Like, yeah, I think most animals are probably pretty wary of snakes. I know, but if I get a snake out and put it on the grass in my backyard, birds start going, you know, like yeah, most all, are pretty wary. Yeah. Um, but then you think about some dogs, you know. Well, dumb as fuck. Like Frankie, <laughs> if I'm you know, driving in the driveway, yeah. she wants to yeah. like run yeah. under the car, yeah. come really close. I'm like, dude, get the fuck back. Yeah. They can, cars yeah. are bad. Yeah. And then I'm like, are you that dumb that you just run up to a snake too? Like, because she's bullet a gate. Yeah. You know, like everything is game on. Yeah. I reckon... Um, they, yeah, definitely uh, instinctively aware, just the way we are. People are like, look at kids. I look at kids and they sort of look at a snake and they don't even know. Like a little baby might see the childcare. Never been told about snakes. Probably haven't even seen one. Maybe on a TV. But the kids that age don't even watch TV. You know, a two year old. No, so you know, two, one day and they look at it. And go, oh, I'm not touching that. <laughs> I nearly got hit by a snake when I was a kid walking from the wool shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must have been really young, four or five, and I was walking from the wool shed. And in between the woolshed and the house, it was like I don't know, three hundred meters, mm. maybe more. I don't remember. But there was sheep yards, mm. and then a workshop, and then the house was like over there. And I think Dad put his head around the corner to watch me walk through the the laneway, mm. and there was this big old olive tree on the edge of the laneway, and there was a brown snake had come out and was fronting onto me, and I remember I, can, I feel like I can remember seeing it. But also I remember turning around and seeing my dad running at me with a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I'd done something oh, bad. Don't I? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and he came yeah. over the top of me and, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. clipped the snake. Yep. And uh I remember my um my my my, my nan, nan lived with us for a while, my mum's mum. She had uh dementia, a bit of Alzheimer's. I remember her sitting I still remember it vaguely actually. She's called us all down. Look, kids, come down, there's a bunny rabbit. Come down and see the bunny rabbit. There's a bunny rabbit. Look, look, the bunny rabbit. And we get to the window. This bloody big tiger snake sitting on the grass just outside. And we're like, that's that's, that's a snake. <laughs> She's like, oh, isn't it a beautiful little rabbit or something? We're like, mum's mm. like, whoop. Mum ran off and got a cricket bat. A and cricket an, bat? And an axe. She oh, my both. God. And I still remember mum going out there going, Rah! and the snake stood up, you know. Yeah. Like they do, flatten its head out. And I'm like, oh, mum. We're all terrified for mum. And she's just clubbed it with the bloody cricket bat and put it on it and then chopped it into like a hundred pieces. What a weapon. Yeah. I remember dad come home and goes, comes outside and we're all come out with him and look at it. And he's like, did you kill it, Cheryl? Do you think you killed it? <laughs> and my dad loves his garden. He's like, you ruined the lawn. <laughs> you ruined the lawn, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, we were just going, oh. Mum's a hero. But, you know, knowing what I know now, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Like, you know, you don't need to do that. Well, no, she's been yeah. protective of her kids. That's right. We played out there in the yard and I, I get that. But, um, yeah. yeah. Look, honestly, I like, I know. But then you go like, hmm. 
Yeah, if you've got kids in the area mm. and you know this mm. thing's going to mm. be hanging mm. out, you yeah. don't want to kill it. You best catch it and put it somewhere else. Yeah. I yeah. catch all yeah. the spiders around this joint mm-hmm. now, yep. white tails included, yeah. out into oh, the garden. Good man. I, yeah. I've got a lot of making up to do from my childhood. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, they're the snake one, man. It's just like this primal. It plays on your mind, right? It does. Like, it does. Like I've got mates on property and they've got snakes and young kids and look, I'm not going to go and preach to them. I, I've said they know where I stand on it and it's a bit a bit. But yeah, I mean, they're at an age. I, I always say to people too, like once kids are at an age where they can understand, it's a better policy to teach them to live with it and look out for it than because it's that old. Just because it's gone doesn't mean another one's not going to come in. So false sense of security. I mean, there's big debates about crocodiles up north and how removing crocodiles is actually, you know, not a, not a not the answer to stopping crocodile attacks because you're never going to get rid of them all, and to take one away makes you think it's safe. So you might not look in the long grass. You know, oh yeah, you got that snake last week. It's not here anymore. But another one just move right in. Yeah, where's the husband? Mm. Where's the wife? Yeah. Where's the kids? To so be aware of your surroundings always. Like teach kids to be, yeah looking out for them but well you look at um you know um the the aboriginals and they lived here mm. for sixty thousand yeah. years and they just had bare feet just yeah. cruising around yeah. and um yeah. you know they lived in harmony with these fucking things. Eat them. yeah eat them mm. but you know they were so in tune with mm. their surroundings mm. well i look at it too i tell people this one with stakes you know because often i go to rural areas and i'm talking and you know kids say my dad said you know Good snake's a dead snake. Or my dad chopped a snake up the other day. I get it all the time. And mm. you're not going to scold the kid and say, you shouldn't be doing that. Or, dad, mm. you tell your dad he's a bad man. You know, he's doing it because he loves you. Get it. But um, I'll tell people this one. I think this resonates because it's all connected, yeah? They say snakes um, have been proven. I'm not going to quote the paper or whatever, but I know I read it somewhere. There's uh, a correlation between snakes being removed from the suburbs and kookaburra populations. So kookaburras eat snakes. Mm. And so where snakes have been massively reducing their, their numbers because of, you know, urbanisation and stuff, kookaburras aren't as commonly found in, the, in those urban environments because they don't have food, don't have as much food. We love kookaburras. We wouldn't want to, like, you know, we love having kookaburras in your backyard. So I'm not saying you need to put snakes in there, but it's all it's just making people aware that, you know, just because... No, it's you, a, yeah. everything is uh, together. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's one. A knock-on effect, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so hold on, I had a train of thought. That's we've been all over the joint. Have, been, I, but that's right. I liked it, man. I like being all over the joint. Well, at least, like I've told you, I've listened to this podcast. I love it. I love just just an open and honest chat with people. And I've got into it because moving here, there's people that I know around town, but I've never really spoken to them or know what they're about. So I'm like, oh, that chap, man, I listen to what he's on about. Yeah. It's been great. I loved yeah. it. Even mates of mine, like I've listened to them. I've like, never heard that story. <laughs> so it's been really good. Yeah. Well, it's been quite localized lately, but I never really had the intention of it being, you know, like, I, I, well, I, I've been more at home, I suppose. And so is everyone, yeah. right? So, well, there's enough interesting people around, anyway, isn't there? You can well, find totally right. Everyone's interesting. Sh- anybody, anybody. Everyone's got a story. Yeah. And yeah. it's a it's a human, you know, arc. And we all have different things that make us tick. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. Yeah. Well, some of it could be wrong. Well, you don't know. It's, yeah, it might be right for them, whatever. It's all just uh, no, but it's I a mean, melting like, pot. I, mm. I go like everyone's got good uh, intention, but no, not everybody does have good intentions. No, no, so, that's right. That's right. Yes, there are uh, bad people in the world. That's the fact. 
Well, it's weird, isn't it? Like, you look at... Did, did you... I was drilling down heavily on um, v- Wagner Group. Wagner Group? Wagner. Wagner. You don't know Wagner Group? Probably should, you know. Yeah. So, uh, when um, Putin annexed mm. uh, Crimea yeah. back in... I think it was 2013, 2012. So, mm. that was part of the Ukraine. That was essentially yeah. when the Ukraine war really began. Mm. He sent in military that weren't military and it was the beginnings of what's called the wagner group okay and then uh the wagner group after they did their job and took crimea which gave russians a nicer place to holiday and he built the big bridge over there so then he um he had this army that was uh, an army of mercenaries that weren't connected to the russian army so then he they went into um uh was it Afghanistan or no um it was Syria what's is it Syria uh, uh anyway I'm, I'm blanking a little bit but it mm. might have been Syria what was mm. the um what was next door to Iraq where the the war was spilling into anyway they were it might have been oh, what's I that I don't want to say it because I might be wrong no say it <laughs> we'll just, what might be way off no it's out. I'm thinking of somewhere else anyway they were at war who's it's not no. um I'm trying to think of my geography now um assad might have been the he was like a really bad president prime minister mm-hmm. guy anyway so he's they sent the russians in there because they were losing all the oil fields to infighting mm-hmm. and he said to the russian mercenaries if you can recapture our oil fields I'll give you 10% of whatever that field makes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So they went in there and they started fighting uh, all these insurgents yeah. and and breakaway groups to reclaim um, the the oil and all, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. And so they got really, really wealthy very quickly. And uh, then... Um, the the US were like, who the fuck are these guys in here? And they started killing. Like that, so many of them got wiped out by the US because the US was like, who the fuck is coming in here Taking and doing this? And so they were like, yeah, uh, yeah there was, you can read about all, all sorts Ooh. of these crazy battles. And they were bad, bad news bears, these guys. So then they took this model and they, they were using them in Ukraine. Hmm. And then they took that model and they started using it in Africa. And so it's like, like in the Congo, the, the Congonese... Uh, government was yep. having trouble with its whatever um, mines. So they just get these um, mercenaries so to go in and... Yeah. They would lock up the mine and then they would get a share of whatever was coming yeah, out of it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they got smart and started just taking over mines and then just being muscle for the government. Yeah. And so they were scattered all through. So the, the it's a weird time because the head guy of it, which was his nickname was Putin's chef... He has just his nickname was Putin Chef. Yes, cooking up, cooking up all sorts of. No, well, he was. Um, <laughs> he was. I think he was in. He came out of jail, and Putin met him on the streets of St. Petersburg, or they did time together, or something. And then he was selling hot dogs on the streets of St. Right. Petersburg, mm. and then he somehow got a, a. When Putin got into power, he this was his old friend, and he gave him some of the contracts to. Uh, government food contracts okay and so he was like became but he was also doing other things for putin but he, yeah he, yeah, yeah. so him and putin had a long history so wagner group, wagner group. What, what made me talk about the wagner group 
No idea. Bad people. Bad people, sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tra- wrapping my head around everything you're telling me. Yeah? Oh, man, yeah, I, yeah, I got obsessed yeah, with this Wagner yeah. group because they were like operating, I think they're in like South America, they were operating, you know, Russian military were all over the place yeah. doing fucked up things. Mm, mm. Um, so not everybody's got good intentions. No, even just on the macro scale, just, you know. Macro? Yeah, just some bloke down the street you know you meet people that aren't all all nice <laughs> you know? no, no no totally yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm. we live in yeah. yeah totally yeah um we are quite gentrified down around here these days oh yeah he's good no one down the street's bad sorry i should say that everyone <laughs> down the street's great yeah <laughs> not too many specifically broader terms you know you know um so it's Going to the Indo, just want to touch yeah, on that yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. You just got back from Indo. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing, but didn't quite, didn't quite score all the ways. You know, you go all the way, all that way for. Unfortunately, um, went with a good bunch of fellas. though, made some great new friends, and um, had a great time. Yeah, absolute adventure. Like you said, picked up my first banded sea snake, sea crate, and uh, that was a bit of fun. Syria, that was the name of the country. Syria. Syria. Yeah. I was thinking of Sudan. That's why I didn't say it. I'm thinking, what's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Syria? Good one. Um, yeah, so that was great. Great fun. But yeah, we, we went over. We had a swell. Looked like it was going to be good. Yeah, I've done my fourth trip over there on the boat. And I sort of thought, not that boat, but on boats. And I sort of thought, every trip I've taken a grovel aboard. And I have used it, but not a lot. And then this trip looked like it was going to be good. Everyone else was, I checked with other people because I'm not the best at like, reading all that out yeah. Other, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah take, it's on. take, on. A, yeah, take a good wave quiver so yeah. I had all my good boards and it just didn't happen well the wind was real strong and we just couldn't get where we wanted to be there's a bit of a mutiny on the boat about whether or not the captain really made the right calls and stuff but I don't know I think he was pretty hamstrung with where oh, we could I, get to I don't know anything but I do believe that the winds have been weird oh they were weird yeah but he should have gone south instead of going north so we would have been closer to where the swell hit if it didn't hit because it didn't really get up north. So if we were down oh, yeah, Thunder's yeah, yeah. End, yeah. we would have been right because we saw other fellas. And we tried to get down there, but the wind was just too strong and we were in a, in a little cat. Cats are great. You know, when it's calm, they're fast, but when it's rough, it's just like they just don't handle it too well. So we just couldn't get down there. How big was this cat? Oh, I don't know. It was small for, for one of those boats. You know, if they, I don't know. Big, big boat. I mean, we slept ten of it, ten of us, but and the crew, but um, but compared to some of those other longer yeah boats, it wasn't with hulls, proper yeah, hulls, proper hulls, and that. I mean, just for context, it took us sixteen hours to do the crossing, so that's from Padang across to the islands. I think it normally takes like eight. Yeah. Wow. So and that was just rough and. Uh. Yeah. But. Lots of bing tang and yeah, good times. Yeah, good times. Yeah, fishing, yeah. diving. Fishing, yeah. The boys we went with were keen fishermen. It was pretty funny. You know, Finn. Yeah, he's been on the, been on the podcast. Yeah, he loves the fishing. He and loves so the fishing. He loves it. So <laughs> it was hard to hard to get the rod off him. But the funny thing was his brother had caught a fish and uh, Cal had caught a fish. And I think oh, I haven't caught a little fish before he'd even caught one. Everyone's winding him up. Ribbing. Yeah. So whenever the, whenever we're trucking somewhere and the lines are out the back, Finn was just like hovering, just <laughs> waiting to lunge onto this rock. Ah. He ended up winning the best fish of the trip, though. He got a massive barracuda. Did he? Man, shit fish to eat, but big fish. It was a big fish. 
How big? Oh, I don't know. Because they can eat through the line and oh, shit, right? Yeah, it's like this big. They've got big gnarly teeth. Gnarly. Gnarly-looking and... thing. And um, his brother... Well, no, did his brother take out the best fish? Maybe his brother did because he got a, a, a GT, which was, you know, their oh, yeah, finest that's, that's fish. The, that's the one. Mate, and he caught it on a lure he made himself. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so he whittled this piece of, you know, popper on the last day. He caught it, so he was stoked. Oh, yeah, they are amazing yeah, fish. Yeah, that was a funny actual, that we were all snorkeling around while they were fishing around this spot. And one of the other fellas, Stu, on the boat, the goblin, he um, spotted this fish and okay. he goes, over here, cast it over here. He was just snorkeling. So he had a claim in the fish too because he's seen the GT <laughs> snorkeling and told him to flick the lure there. And Yeah. Oh, good one. Yeah. I mean, uh, waves aside, it sounds yeah. like a pretty good trip. Yeah, they're always good. Always good. I think... Um, Man, yeah. you, you're on the road heaps, I feel like. You've been... This year, to, to I've, been, I've been taking the piss this year. I've been going... Did you guys away. go to WA last year? That was last, last year. year. We did a did a sort of half lap kind of thing, and went went to WA. That was nine weeks of just yeah, it was awesome. So what happened? Hold on, something happened at the bluff. At the bluff? Were you saying? Did something oh, I happen? ran into some kid there. That, no, didn't money. you have something? And you got a surfboard. You didn't oh take yeah, a board. I scored. A, yeah, that was the whole yeah. Because we weren't going to go west. We were going to go to Darwin, and then go across to Arnhem Land. And a friends of ours had been to Arnhem Land before us. They drove across into East Arnhem. And um, they didn't they didn't rate it too much. They sort of said, "Oh, look, there's a lot of flies there, and um, you couldn't really swim anywhere, and it was stinking hot." Anyway, so we decided we wouldn't go to Arnhem. Plus, I wanted to do Arnhem Land. I wanted to do Cahill's Crossing, so go in the East Arnhem and drive across the top to the west. Sorry, drive in the west across to the east, but you couldn't do it. They wouldn't let you do it because it was closed for um, cultural reasons and all this stuff. So it was too hard basket. So that's the other reason I was like, oh, "I'm not going to Arnhem." We'll go west. And I always wanted to go west, but we need a lot of time to go all the way out there. It's just this mass mission. So I didn't think we had time. So my wife juggled some jobs around and we stretched the week out, the trip to nine weeks. And we checked out because we wanted to do the whale sharks. If we could get on a boat to do that with the kids, we'll go. And we got a spot on the whale boat in Kununurra. And we're like, let's do it then. Let's just go. So we did the Gib River Road and then cut down and did Nalu and that. But I didn't have a board. So sorry, we t- cut across the Gib, went into uh, broom stayed in broom for a few days on this beautiful spot caught mud crabs and just lived just camp just camping yeah Sick. we had a trailer camper trailer that was the best spot this spot was just so amazing we pulled up there we didn't leave we we were going to go up further north of broom um to um cape of as an area there um, but we got to this spot and we're like i'm not going nowhere yeah just, i'm staying here I'm and we real. just we saw hammerhead sharks and turtles and we had seagulls flying into the camp taking fish frames off us and I'd just go take the boys. We were lucky that we got this mass tide. They get big tides there. And I could walk across the creek up into the mangroves with the boys and we were hooking crabs, taking my boys into like knee-deep mud. It was just the best thing. Could you swim? You could splash around close to shore you know, when it was clear and the tide was up. Yeah. Yep. But you wouldn't go cutting a, cut, swimming across the creek. Yeah. I remember when I took the boys up, every day the tide would not be as low. It just was coming up and up and up. And I remember I took the boys across on the last day and I got back and we had to walk through the water like waist deep. We've been walking sort of ankle deep where you could see the bottom and, you know, there's not going to be a big something in there if it's only, you yeah, know, that, knee deep. You can see it. Yeah, yeah, well, this is waist deep. And I was shitting myself. I felt so irresponsible that I had the kids with me, but it was all good. It wasn't It wasn't that long a distance and... Um, yeah, I piggybacked. We just got them across the river. It was a little bit. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, that was fun. And then, sorry, when I was there at Bard Creek, I come out of the mangroves one day and I'd been, when I was in Broome, I got onto this like um, page, community pages for stuff because there's no surf shops. There's a surf shop, they don't sell surfboards. I'm trying to find a surfboard. Anyway, and so there's nothing. I'm in this spot, coming out of the creek with a mud crab and these boys have been camping up on the hill. I hadn't really spoken to them, just been seeing them there. And one of them was just down on the beach having a fish. And I'm like, oh, I've just noticed you guys, you've got boards there on your roof. Um, you, you have a board you could sell me like I'm going about going to Nalu. He said, oh, yeah, probably got an old board. We're going across the gib, so we're going, we won't need boards. So go, I've got an old board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, sick, man, what do you want for it? He just looked at the crab and I'm like, he said, yeah. I'm like, take it because we'd had, this was the, oh, I need, this crab I wasn't even going to take, but the boys wanted to catch one and, I let them catch it, hook it out. Yeah. And I'm like, let's put it back. And they would let me put it back. <laughs> so fair enough. So I was like, all right, another crap. Gave it to them. Gave me the board. Gave me a board bag. Gave me fins. I'm like, dude, I'll go get you some beers. What, what, what do you want? Nah, 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 sweet, sweet. Legends from the East Coast. I don't even know who they were. Um, gave me this board. Caught The kids called it the crab. And they, <laughs> and they were actually okay. At first, one of my boys was with me then. The other one had run off. He'd run back to camp. And I remember... One of my boy was stoked. He's going, oh, Dad, just got swapped board, the crab for the board. The other one cracked it. <laughs> He's like, that was my crab. You can't do that. Yeah. And I'm like, so I had to promise them it's their board now. It's yeah, their board. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, that was classic. And then later that, uh, um, the next day, I was doing something. I come back to camp and there's this queenfish, like meter-long queenfish sitting on the table. I'm like, what's that? They go, oh, the boys. They've come and dropped us a queenfish as well. So the best trade ever. One crab for... Oh, my God. Yeah. So I had this one board. Is that a, a Morton Bay crab? Is that what they call it? Oh, them? no, mud crab. Mud Big crab. muddies, yeah. 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 Claws like like a stubby. Never eaten one, I don't think. Oh, they're delicious. Yeah. Yeah, they're beautiful to eat. But again, they're like old gnarly thing. You just sort of go, ooh. Yeah, yeah, okay. You so know. was, um, so, and then you got some waves up there? Yeah, so we come down to uh, first we went to Exmouth and did that trip, the Iron Range. You go to Nalu, um, and I was lucky enough. A friend of mine been through the year before, and I'm like, oh, where where are the waves here? He goes, oh, they're all off on the outer reefs, so you're going to have to get a boat. So you go down to Yardy Creek and sit at the boat ramp and make a friend. So I did that. I went down there and just happened to be some boys coming in. I'm like, hey fellas, you going out tomorrow? I'll buy you some beers and they're nice fellas. No, nah, don't worry. Yeah, I'll take. We'll ring you. I'm like, they're not going to ring me. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember that next day. We went snorkeling with the kids and the kids wanted to go snorkeling. I'm like, oh, they're going to ring me in an hour. I'm going to go back with the phone. And just turned out we went out and the current was too strong. Kids couldn't swim against it. All right, wrap it up. Let's go. Back to the car. Bing, bing. It all just worked out. Got a call. Raced down to Yardy Creek. They took me out there and got to surf out there for a couple of hours with them. And that place was just like any, any of the good reefs in Indo. It was awesome and warm and no one around. And there's something, there's that part of Australia... Is just like nothing else. Like you think the men's is good. I mean, there's more good ways there, sure. Maybe I should cut this out. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. There's a few guys probably, I know you've listened to your podcast at like going out there. But it's hard to get there. Yeah, yeah. Like look, it's a miss. you got to Totally. You commitment. To get all, anywhere up there is a commitment. I'm going next year again because we didn't get the whale sharks. Went all the way over there for the whale oh, sharks. What? Yeah, you the walked weather, in, didn't go. Yeah, the one day got blown out. Yeah. Yeah, was filming it to make a little YouTube video with the kids and um, we've got this footage of us like, and I, I was torture, like I'm talking it up. Yeah, we're going to go, kids, it's going to be great. They're all pump, 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 pump. 
we're at the boat ramp and had a missed call from a guy, rings him up, there's a guy, no, nah, we're not going. And then, and then the contrast, you know, then I filmed telling them and they're just tears and, <laughs> I hate this place. <laughs> this is the worst place ever. I hate that guy. I'm never coming back here. Kids. Yeah, oh, mate, it was like zero to a thousand. That was so it. funny. So we're going back to do that and to go back to Nalu and... All driving all the way yeah we'll drive yeah love it man you love getting mm. behind the wheel i do too it's, it's the only way to that's it. i've tried to try to work out how else can you go because you want all your toys you can't go there without all your gear yeah no, so you totally. can't fly there and where you, there's nowhere to sleep like you need to unless you've got good money money and you can probably get a cab i don't know do you so you've got a trailer camper mm, you just got a new little camper trailer yeah it, which which style like that those small egg thing or we sort of it's like a sleeping pod now we got we had the old uh, canvas folding one yeah and they were great but we did a few trips where it was really wet and it was an old one it's already been around oz it's been 12 not with us before us went around for 12 months so it's worn out so we got this little one that just pops up have so, you seen those eggy looking things they're small and heads. they're just like a like a little like mm. have you seen them probably there's so many yeah, and it's just, just 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 a bed in them, just a maybe, and they got four wheel drive tires and yeah. There's look... ones the best ones are the best lightest ones are the ones called the Ultimates and they're actually designed off a, a boat, so they're an upside down boat. So same aerodynamic, water dynamics, you know, they just yeah. turn this thing upside down, little fiberglass, it's a really hull, light. It's a hull upside down. Yeah, yeah, they're called the Ultimates, but they're they're still canvas. So mm-hmm. when you fold it, it's still a little bit of setup. Yeah, Ultimate, they're sick. They're expensive though. But they're, they're really, all expensive. They're these all things. expensive. Yeah. Far if anything, out, they're Australian made. So anything I've done the whole. If you ever, yeah, hit me up if you're curious. Not that I'm like a, a font of knowledge with it all, but I've got. A, I've done a bit of research. I can point you in some directions because yeah, it's Aussie made. It's like a. You, you pay more for something that's str- like you pay less for something that's strong, but but heavy, or you pay more for something that's light and strong. Does that make sense? Yes. So strong and heavy, or strong and light, but strong and light is what you want, but it's more expensive. Mm. And it's, yeah, Chinese-made stuff mostly. My thing's Chinese-made, and you just can't afford to spend Australian. Unfortunately, I couldn't afford to buy the Australian-made version of what I've got. Gotcha. Nearly double the price. I'd love to see it. Yeah, come over one day and show you around the critters and the camper. I love showing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Mm. the critters. Yeah, Yeah, I want to see, man. I want to see. I want to hand... Hmm. I don't. Re- oh, I don't remember hold, holding like a snake. No, oh, well, we'll have to get you to hold one. Yeah, got a couple of big ones there. <laughs> There's there. going to be some fucking eyes rolling on you, that comment. You love it. Oh, I should have. I was going to bring one over. I had intentions to bring one over, and then just got caught up with stuff. I had one of my lizards lay eggs, and I had to run out and get stuff to put the eggs in an incubator. So I got distracted with that. Mm. So when you said, you know, come in a bit later, I'm like, oh, that's all right. I'll to get this stuff got sorted. To do. Yeah, yeah. Zave, I want to say thanks heaps. Oh, thank you. I've got a bit of a buzz when you come and when you rang me and said, because I listened to it a bit and I'm like, oh, you want to talk to me? Yeah, man. Thanks, bro. Exposure. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't talk a lot. Of, well, we talked about everything. No, Lots we of are. different Ooh, stuff. There's yeah, all good. sorts of stuff there, mm. Zave. Mm. All right, man, put it here. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it. There was my chat with none other than Zave Moriello. Zave, thanks so much for coming over, man, and thank you so much for the tour. I really, I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, whoever you, whoever else you are out there in the world, um, 
yeah hey thanks for tuning in i love it i love uh, look you know a couple of people have written to me recently um and i just you know that's what puts fuel in the tank for me I love that people, uh, you know, they reach out and they say, you know, blah, 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 horse's mouth's cool. You know, it makes me feel good about what I'm doing. That's what I'm saying. So whoever you are out there in the world, look, it's not always peaches and cream. I get it. You know, it's been a bit of a, a funny rough road for me of recent times. You know, just life. Life happens, but it happens to all of us all the time. So my point being is, you know, just throw a few smiles around. You just don't know what's going on for someone else, you know. You just don't know what's going to make someone else's day, and you don't know what's going on for everyone else, you know. And I've, I've been acutely aware of that lately. You just don't know what's going on for other people, what what's happening in the background, you know. And so, just some some nice smiles, a laugh, um, politeness, just goes fucking such a long way. Anyway, I'll shut up and leave you. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, adios. Adios.